my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Three, two, one. RPGs from the 1980s right up through yesteryear. Brought to you by the staff of RPGamer.com, we tackle the good, the bad, and the ugly games from nearly 30 years of RPG history. So sit down and hold on tight. Your next adventure is about to begin. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Meeky. Welcome to the one, the only, RPG Backtrack, where we talk about RPGs from the way back when, all the way right up to yesteryear. I'm your host, Phil Willis, and this is... I am not J.R.L. Tolkien, even though that would be an appropriate name for what we're doing tonight. I'm just Mike Meek. You don't play J.R. Tolkien. Wait, yeah, you aren't J.R. Tolkien, but I heard you play him on TV. I could do that if he hadn't died before I was born, which makes it even more contentious. And since we're talking about a bunch of games having to do with Lord of the Rings tonight, we got a couple of hobbits to help us out. First up, Mr. Apps. Mr. Michael Apps. Hello. You feeling hobbity today? I am. Okay, now, now your challenge for the night... Dear God. Is to make sure that you don't say, You shall not pass! Okay, no, no. You shall no, not pass! No, see, he broke the rule. No, no, he broke the rule. I knew you couldn't can do it. Man. What about this? One ring to kill them all. No, no. One ring to find them all. Oh, sweet. And in the darkness, find them. <laughs> and that is the sweet, sweet voice of Mr. Scott Wachmater. I've had at least three breakfasts. I think I'm ready. You're going to need them. For all these games. Yeah, we're going to be sitting through Tom Bombadil's songs. We're going to need lots of food to get through that. We're going to we're going to take a short break. We're going to be talking about lots of Lord of the Rings games. We're going to be talking about uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, maybe. We're going to be talking about a couple of things on the, on the end of this. We'll be talking about some new uh, retro releases, at, uh, or at least one, on GOG. We're going to be talking about the next game on my top ten list. We're going to have a giveaway, so we got a lot of things going on this show. We're going to we're gonna take a break, let you listen to some Lord of the Rings music, which will hopefully be fun and exciting. <laughs> and we'll be right... It'll probably come from the movies, because EA liberally applied that. Ah, that's what I was hesitant for. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, this ain't going to be great. It's going to be for the movies. That's What about boring. from the SNES game? That had some good music. Did it have some different music? If you say yeah. so, I will just I, I will sit here and and then I will sing the, the this that one song from The Hobbit. <laughs> uh, um, I don't I don't think we have enough men here to do a bass chorus line very well. Wait a minute, I see <laughs> our worry. I'm like super bass. I'm three guys. I see our rating on iTunes going down for some reason. I, I don't know why. Don't know what's causing it. Well, no. those are iTunes users, and those aren't real people. <laughs> As soon as you mention something about singing on the show, they just plummeted. <sighs> All right. We'll be right back. 
And we are ready to talk about a whole array of Lord of the Rings RPG sh- spin-offs, games, and the such. The first, uh, we're going we're to just wrap these first two together, I think. We have... I, I think they eventually were wrapped together in later releases, so that makes sense. Yeah, we're going to be talking about J.R.R. Tokens, The Lord of the Rings, Volume 1 and Volume 2, The Two Towers, for your PC home computer system. The first one was released on June 1st, 1990, and uh, released for the manufacturer's suggested retail price of thirty six ninety nine. <laughs> was that a good price in 1990? I, I guess. I, I guess when you think about 1990, 36 was probably like a $60 game today, at least. Uh, this is, this was a, an adventure... It, it, it's less than what you, LucasArts was charging at the time. Mm, I believe it. And uh, this, The Two Towers was released about a year later, June 1st, 1991. Both of these were published and developed by Interplay. And I'll let you guys talk because you know what, Mom did not get me this for the PC. I was Your playing. Your mom was not nice. Yeah. How dare she? No, she was smart. I was playing. I was playing D and D Goldbox this entire time, or Final Fantasy on the NES. So uh, Dragon Quest Four, maybe. No, that didn't come out till later. So who wants to talk about this? Scott, you said you've at least touched these, right? Yeah, I, I touched the first one. Did and... it? Did it touch you back? Yeah, very, very deep in my heart. <laughs> Especially the part where um, it, it, it's a top-down RPG with like loads and loads of fetch questing. But the the cool thing was that uh, I'm pretty. If this is the game, I'm. I think it is, which I'm ninety percent sure based on the one screenshot on Wikipedia. <laughs> I am old. Okay, I have forgotten this game most. But you you start out as Frodo. And you leave Bag End, and you can recruit uh, about half the hobbits in Bag End to help you out. Like, you can be, ro- you can, you get Sam right away, but you can roam around, and you can, like, convince one of the Proudfoots, and a fatty Bulger, and a couple others. So by the time you get to Weathertop, it's like seven hobbits and Aragorn hacking away at the knees of a Nazgul. Successfully? Well, I mean, with that many dudes, it, it has to count for something. The, you can also switch around who you were leading, so you weren't always playing Frodo. Um, there, there was just a lot of fetch questing, and uh, a, a pretty cool day-night cycle, which was a, a novelty at the time. But except for the part where uh, you you didn't want to, you just wanted to hide and wait out the night cycle because Nazgul would show up and beat the crap out of you. That sounds about right. I I would hope that the Nazgul are at least somewhat threatening, since they should be. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, they were hardcore, but it's just like, they, they came out more often at night, and they got bonuses. That that kind of fits, but it certainly doesn't make them easy to deal with. Oh, and then at the end, uh, Frodo and Sam get uh, kidnapped by Nazgul and dragged to an evil tower. Oh, yeah, I remember that from the story. And then Radagast the Brown shows up to help. I also remember that. This is word for word straight from the books. God, this is and, so and great that they can get such... Remarkably like the Eighth Doctor. <laughs> it's so great that they got such a, you know, literal translation of the book crammed in this tiny PC game. Although they did do, like, Lothlorien pretty much spot on. Like, you you had to wander around and find all the gifts for the Fellowship for... For, uh... What's her name? God damn it. Galadriel. Yeah, there we go. So you have to find her hair, and I'm like, you know where your hair is. 
stop that. Obviously, she doesn't. She's so old that she has just gotten into the habit of putting her hair somewhere other than where she is. Or maybe that's just an elven talent we never heard about. Well, you know, there's a pretty decent case. Well, again, 100 pages about trees uh, doesn't mention elves have pointy ears. And there's a good case in the fandom to point out that elves might have 12 fingers. Hmm. Haven't say I heard of that one before. They count in base 12. There's got to be a reason. Ah, that's why. Should follow up they have 12 toes, right? And tiny penises. Okay, all right, all right, this is going, okay, you know, I was actually believing you for a few minutes, no, no, we're, we're, okay, I, I think, I think you've just dashed the hopes of everyone who uh, looked at Orlando Bloom in the movies, and, or at least all the females who looked at Orlando Bloom. Oh, no, no, the slash fiction community loves Orlando Bloom. Now, is, is, is this, uh, is this, uh, is the Super Nintendo game, is that, a, is that significantly different? Do, do we do this one separately, or is oh, yeah. this pretty much... It's, it's a totally different game. Yeah. Okay, so with that being said, let us segue from the land of small anatomy parts over to <laughs> J.R.R. Tokens, The Lord of the Rings, Volume 1, uh, developed by Interplay and published by Interplay for the Super... Wait a minute, this is sounding a lot the same. You sure we're not going to get into another conversation about small things, right? Well, it, it's, it was the practice at the time to have <sighs> multiple games of the same name on multiple platforms and have them behave completely different. Okay, fine. I'm expecting Much big... like those Capcom Disney games. I'm expecting wanted... big things from this game. Big... Okay. Oh. Um, uh, uh, please don't. <laughs> This, Do we have to have a conversation with your wife about that? This is uh, this was released in North America in October 1994 for your super-sized Nintendo Entertainment System, coming to you on a 16 megabit cartridge. Mega. 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 Just Mega saying. Megabit or megabyte? Megabit. Very important difference. So a 16 megabit cartridge was literally two megabytes. Feel the power. How in the, we here? Now you really are playing with power. Uh, it was. Well, I mean, it was blast a, pro, I mean, it's no blast processing, but uh. yeah, it's no blast processing. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Let's not get into what Nintendo don't right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. If we're gonna, we have a whole console wars session here. We're on backtrack. Who cares about RPGs? Let's talk about Genesis versus Nintendo. Hey, I think you're forgetting the TurboGrafx-16! Get out! Yeah! your boy! What's the TurboGrafx-16 advertising slogan here? Uh, uh, hmm. yeah. I, I, I'm going to find out. I'm going to find the commercial <laughs> right now. Yeah, there had to be some. I can't, I can't look it up because if I played, it will blast onto the podcast. <laughs> uh, I will find right. it, and we can share it in the break. Mr. Apps. We've got East. Mr. Apps, you played yes. the Super Nintendo Lord of the Rings. What impression right did you He's playing it right now! <laughs> What's your well, live on-the-scene impression of the game? Well, it kind of plays like a, you know, a Zelda-y type RPG. Top-down view. Except you have really slow sword attacks and a useless block. Well, you know, I know when I'm playing a, a Zelda clone, one of the things I like is a weapon that is unresponsive and swings incredibly slow. Because, as we all know, the Legend of Zelda games, they're just incredibly easy. So you need something to help add to the challenge. So this has got me excited. <laughs> yeah, so this game um, is all based on fetch quests. Okay. Uh, ooh, ooh, oh, that, That's what we love, too, because fetch yes. quests... 
make up so many great let, RPG plots. Let, let me ask you this. Do you remember the part in the books where Frodo, before Sam would leave on the journey with him, had to explore a bunch of caves looking for somebody's glasses? You know, you know, I remember. That was re- my favorite part. I right, did, yeah. You know, it was right after the party and the fireworks, and there was this long bit describing the cave systems under Hobbiton. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what a Hobbit's burrow does. They li- they link their burrows, which is a way that Tolkien never described in the books, but it just leads naturally in. And, and you would lose your glasses in there because it's dark. You would. Because yeah. there are so many miles of tunnels under Hobbiton that... Obviously, you can't afford to keep all those torches going continuously. And you certainly can't have a wizard come in to magically light the thing, so it's going to get dark sometimes. Well, there's only, like, ten wizards. Right! And only one of them comes around, and he's high. (laughs) Which might mean that you could indeed get him to provide a light source if you ask him the right way. I don't know, he's kind of a dick. (laughs) He doesn't seem to do anything that he doesn't want to. Again, ask him in the right way. Which... No, see, what's no? This is Gan- how Gandalf solves problems. If he he just finds the nearest Hobbit and makes them do it. So you'd be like, hey, Gandalf, you light our warrens, and he'd be like, okay, fatty Bulger, you figure out a lighting system. I'll be back later. Of course. I can't really argue with that. It really is hard to argue with that, and in all honesty, I'm just. I'm beside myself at the moment. Gandalf now, decisions. It, it goes like hobbits, swords, magic. Now, Mr. Apps. Yes. It is my understanding that this Super Nintendo Lord of the Rings title, in a boldly progressive move that we will probably be seeing more of as developers seek to cut costs, <laughs> does not have a battery backup, but instead uses passwords. Is this You correct? are correct, sir. It because passwords... A- are a great thing indeed in RPGs. Well, Mike, you know, it's funny you should bring that up. You see, it wasn't a way to cut costs or anything like that. It's a, it was it was it was a purposeful decision designed to draw you into experience because you remember how every morning when Frodo got up to set out on his adventure, he <laughs> this is he had to. He had to. Uh, he had to remember and write down uh, the secret passcode for the day or something. Right? Remember that? I and do. Yeah, and they just want to draw the inscription inside of the ring changed every day. And if he didn't have the new Elvish inscri- language of Mordor inscription, then it would just collapse like a rock and fall into a crack and he could never get it back. So he had to get that in- inscription every day. There you go. I mean, it was... Now remind just... me, were these inscriptions 16 or 32 characters? Uh, I'm pretty sure 32. Of course. Yes. <laughs> the, yeah, they took forever. As does just about everything in this game. You will spend hours looking for those glasses, and then you will wander through some nice woodland areas and then you'll get to the borrowed downs and have to find a bunch of items in the caves there and maybe if you're lucky spend about 10 hours doing that and then move on you actually get to Bree after all that time and get a new party member and then wander off and have to go through some troll holes and look for items there (sighs) trolls do keep good things in their holes sometimes I have to say, I don't think, I think maybe once I actually made it through the Borrow Downs without finding a password online or in some guide. Because the caves you wander through in this game all look the same. There's no real map to speak of, so you are going to get lost and you are going to hate this game. Apps. And 
if your party members die, they stay dead, which really sucks because you know you can play this game with a multitap. Okay, wait. Oh my gosh, apps! You're yes. just so digging yourself in a hole here. Let me make sure I understand this right. Number one, did you just freely admit to the public that you use codes to get past parts of this game? Yes, I would. Oh I my would gosh! Not deny that. And now, no, no, it's allowed. It's Super Nintendo era. You you can cheat as much as you want. As but but he's only he's only cheating himself of the experience that Frodo and his team went through when they were walking by foot all the way across Middle Earth. I mean, come on, that 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 is in there for a reason. All the stuff takes time for a reason. That's how you get <laughs> the true experience. I mean, how can you oh, how can you relate right. this to our listeners when you're when you're cheating yourself with this experience? And now you're you're whining that people who die stay dead? I mean, hello? I mean, if they died well, in the book... I mean, you can actually, you know, there's parts where you're supposed to run away from some Nazguls, but uh-huh. you can actually sit there and get them in a state where you can just keep poking them for like 10 minutes and actually kill them and gain a bunch can, of levels. You can stunlock Cherry Tap a Nazgul to death. Yes, yes you can. <laughs> that, that might be better than Seven Hobbits and a Ranger. Uh, Fatty Bull, uh, we got stuff done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. S, I, I yes. have also heard that the control for those people you are not directly in charge of is questionable, and that their AI may not be particularly wise. Is this accurate? Yes, that is accurate. I believe you can hold down like R or something and control one of them, but that's not exactly ideal, as you're trying to dodge a bunch of wolves and bats and borrow whites and whatnot. Are you sure they're wolves and not wargs? Yes. Okay. Well, yes. Early on, maybe there might, I don't know if there's some wargs later on. I, 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 obviously, I only played the later areas with a password, and I think I just skipped to the end. And how is the end? Uh, not much better than the rest of the game. Fetch Where West, does it end? It ends with it when you fight the Balrog. Oh, okay. Wow. After, after I assumed some fetch quests in the Mines of Moria. Well, you gotta find all the armor on, uh, you know, uh, Gimli's uncle's armor in the tomb before you can read his book <laughs> and find out that they dug too deep. And then you gotta kill a bunch of goblins, and then you got to, you know, find enough yell. goblin pies before you can fight a, a cave troll. And also you yell, you know, you shall not pass, and then he doesn't pass because you kill him. I wonder well, that, if every that is time also perfectly accurate. I wonder if people I wonder if people who own the cartridge and play the game and were type how many characters are in the past is it like a bunch of characters in the password? Oh yeah. If we're going through Moria then yeah we should have the entire fellowship plus you, you aren't able to to recruit any hobbits in Hobbiton, right? Uh, any no, who just, weren't in the story? Right, just the usual bunch. Although apparently you can't recruit Boromir at all. No, that is correct. Even though we haven't reached the point at the end of this game where he is dead. that Well, okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> why not? Just no no Boromir. Oh, yeah, why would we want to have a human who might kick some ass and get to have a noble death now? Oh, God, I just ran into some sort of orc in the caves under Hobbiton. I oh, remember man. that part of the book. Run away. <laughs> yeah, well, this is obviously the developers of this game really liked the scouring of the Shire, and so they wanted to set it up adequately for the final installment of this grand series, so that instead of it just being a bunch of rogue men, it'd have to be a whole bunch of orcs along with them in the in the Shire. <laughs> oh, this game. I, I could just hear somebody like putting in like the 800-character passcode, and maybe they yeah. wrote down one letter wrong, and they just keep screaming at the screen, I shall not pass! <laughs> As they just drown in their own tears. 
That's... Yeah, I mean, and you know, a lot of people did. Like, I spent a ton of time playing this game because it was the only Lord of the Rings game I had on hand, and it's kind of depressing. You didn't have the, I... the one for the ZX Spectrum? No. Ah, it was All I wanted to do was get to the Mines of Moria, and I was instead spent too, way too many hours of my childhood in the Borrow Downs. Now, when did you exactly play this? Was it fresh from release or a few years after? No, uh, it was fresh from release. Okay, so this is before the internet existed to handily give you the passwords. You had to that figure is correct. Them out. You had yeah, to pay like, Nintendo Power for them. No, like when I when I'm saying I went and went back and used passwords, this was like years after the fact because I still this is still my original cartridge, so I've had it since then. And you but, know what? Yeah. You don't have to worry about your saves expiring on that cartridge because there are no saves. That is true. Because it's such a hassle replacing the battery in that thing. It is. It really is. So I, much I, more I of a hassle. I have to see how much this is going for on eBay. Uh, oh, a dollar. Wow. A dollar to take it from them? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's the best deal. Um, One dollar. Is, that, is that with free shipping or not? Uh, Seven dollar shipping. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. One dollar to torture them all. Uh, Seven dollar shipping to Canada. So bear that in mind. <laughs> Whoa! What was okay. that? That—that's my dog. Oh, okay. That's I a... podcast uh, before a roaring fire with my faithful hound. She's <sighs> mostly annoyed that it's past her bedtime. Dang it, Dakota! Get into the spirit of Tolkien. <laughs> well, okay. Is there any other pertinent information about this particular title that you wish to share with us, Mr. Epps? No, but I would just note to remember the theme of awful save issues. Just remember yeah. that theme for the next game, the next Lord of the Rings game. I'm going to be. It's talking coming about. back around. Oh, oh yeah. wait, Mr. Epps, how yeah. is the sound of this game? The sound is pretty good. The music is uh, has some really good tracks that are repeated. And well, of course. We, we can't expect you to switch out the tracks while you're wandering around in Barrow Downs. Of course. Um, you will hear the cave music um, way too much. Now, uh, when you, you know, say there's... way too much, what yes. exactly does that mean? <laughs> um, well, assuming you aren't using a guide to figure out where to go in this game, you know, probably give or take 30 hours worth. Well, that's every piece of music deserves to be heard for at least 30 hours so one can decide whether it's good or not. Over and over again, no less. Right. That's right. Well, I'm sure it only gets better from here on out. We've kind of gotten off to a little bit of a disappointing start with the first three games, but but there's so many more. So, so let's just... Yeah, now, now let's move into the ones that were released... With the Peter Jackson movies. I mean, this is, yeah, this is, I mean, this is in our millennium here. We're moving on up here. So we're going to talk about The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, published by Universal Interactive, developed by Pocket Studio. This was released in the United States of America on September 24th, 2002, for your Game Boy Advance handheld system. Also available on Xbox, PS2, PC, and GameCube. Phil? Yeah. Phil? Does this mean I can turn off the Super Nintendo game? <gasps> yeah, I think we're... I only, oh if, only if you're truly done with it. I know, yes. I mean... It sounded like you were having so much fun. I don't want to necessarily deprive you of the experience. No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> now, I, I should mention, this this Fellowship of the Ring game is specifically based on the book, not the movie. Otherwise, EA would have released it. 
Oh, that game. Uh, and I happen to know that there is a slight bug in it, where I think you're going through Rivendell, and you need an item. If you do not get that item, because it is missable, then uh, you cannot complete the game. There were a few like that. <laughs> yeah, this is just the only one I'm remembering offhand, because um, I saw reviews at the time, and... Gosh, can you believe that I wasn't terribly interested in uh, purchasing this and trying it out for myself? I seem to remember EGM gave it But it's got a grand old 51 from Metacritic. How could that possibly be bad? 51, that's a passing grade. Okay, Meta doesn't understand RP gamers. They don't understand how much fun these games can really be. In fact, I'm looking at this review from IGN, and when the, re- the reviewer starts out their very first sentence, uh, I'm always confused about why gamers these days get so excited over RPGs. You see, when you start off your review like that, you can, <laughs> you can tell this is the media is just against RPGs. And Wait, Phil, you went to IGN for a review? Well, yeah, because, I mean, they are your top – I mean, you guys are going to silly sites like Metacritic when everyone knows that the real authenticated reviews can be found right here on IGN. I mean, that's where you go. I mean, that's where they gave Madden, like, you know, like a 9.8. I mean, you know, Call of Duty 9.9. I mean, shoot. Well, of course, you can just recycle the same review from last year along with the recycling of the game engine because that means you don't have to pay anybody for extra time to rewrite the thing. Shoot. Oops, I probably just casually insulted Madden and Call of Duty. Oh, well. (laughs) I think they're used to it. They've come to accept it, really. It's just too easy. I couldn't resist. Okay, so so what did did RP Gamer give it? Did RP Gamer review it? Maybe. Yeah. Let's, let's find out. Let's find out what we gave it. <laughs> I'm understanding, of course, that because RP Gamers reviews come on a volunteer basis, someone might not have actually felt like completing it. Somebody might. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, we do not have a review of the GBA. Uh, Minky, the, get on top of that, please. One. Come on. Uh, okay. You want to send it to me? You know, I'm sure I can find it on eBay for fifty cents. <laughs> Okay, so who wants to talk about this? But there are reviews for the Super NES game. Oh, no, there's a game page, but no review. There are no reviews for any of these ones. Wow. So. There's absolutely no... (laughs) RP Gamer has not done anything for Lord of the Rings, apparently. All right, so who wants to talk about first? Get to meat and potatoes. I haven't played it. Who's played it? Anybody played it? I I just said pretty much everything I know about it. Oh, and EGM gave it fours i think out of 10 which for rpgs on egm is damn low uh and and then uh, yeah there's i mean there's possible variations i guess between the different different systems maybe uh, or, or stuff what, uh, what's really funny is on the back of the game boy advance box it says features go on a quest with to complete the fellowship in your party follows the original text of tokens novel only for the game boy advance and yet here it's listed all these other systems <laughs> well the the other ones it was based on the movie and was better oh, oh, <laughs> it was uh, just kind of a beat-em-up with clips from the movie in it <laughs> It worked. It worked. You know, there's something to be said for those. There really is. I just, just saying. Well, I mean, there was puzzles in this one. Um, you, you got some, uh, you know, bringing in some of the elements from the novels. Because um, we really need Tom freaking Bombadil. Yeah. Exactly. All those Tolkien purists who didn't get the Tom Bombadil dose in the movie, you get him here. You get to I, listen to his entire song in text form on your GBA. Isn't that great? You know, I'm thinking it is. 
I, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but okay, maybe not. Uh, Your enthusiasm is waning, Phil. Fine, fine. We'll, we'll move on. Get screenshots of Tom Bombadil from various different games. And you know what? His boots aren't yellow. <gasps> Bastards. It's like one of the three things we know for sure about Tom Bombadil. And they get that wrong. <laughs> well, I, I think we oh, wait, can conclude... In the GBA one, his, his, his boots are yellow. Oh, okay. There we go. Well, that, that clears everything up. That... Well, it's very important. It is. I mean, you can't exactly claim fidelity to the novel if you don't do that. Well, maybe, maybe if we had a sequel, then maybe we could have learned some of the mistakes we made with this first one. What if we called it The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and we published this one by Electronic Arts, had it developed by Grip Tonight Games, and we released it on November 12, 2002? Well, I can tell you about an experience I had with this, Jesus, would be about... 11, 12 years ago now, I guess. No, 11 years. Um, I picked it up because I think, again, I was reading EGM a lot at the time, and I saw a somewhat favorable impression of this. I picked it up, and I think I chose... uh, It was either Gimli or... might have been Gandalf. I don't remember who right now. And I went through several areas, vaguely inspired by things in the Two Towers, and I got to kill a whole lot of orcs and junk. You know, killing a whole lot of Sauron's minions... And picking up their goodies that they dropped, and eventually I got bored on about the fourth or fifth mission because I was doing exactly the same thing, and it didn't look much different from the first few times I'd done it. And oh yes, it's an action RPG. I should mention that. Yeah. And you, you and you played Gandalf because Gimli was only available in multiplayer for the GBA version. See how well I remember this? It stuck yeah. with me so well. I know, right? And yeah, about. I eventually managed to reach the end of the level, and I think I found some boss that wailed on me, and I don't even remember what the boss was. And after that, I looked at myself, realized that grinding for a couple more levels would take me way too long, and I said, screw it, I'm done with you. And that was my experience with the Two Towers on GBA. It is definitely an RPG. Not a good one, though. Okay, Mike... I don't know what it is with you guys tonight. I'm just telling you, but I, I, I'm reading the IGN review right here, and of the GBA version of the GBA version, and it says the Two Towers is far from boring. It does get a little repetitive in its design, but thankfully the cartridge save means that you can take a break from the action when it's a little too overwhelming. It really shines, especially multiplayer mode when. One thing, one thing is for sure: Kryptonite in EA's Lord of the Rings game is way, (laughs) way, way better than the other game that hit the Game Boy Advance earlier this year. For those seeking the proper ring, this is the one. Eight out of ten. Well, I'm pretty sure it is better than the Fellowship of the Ring game that came out (laughs) months ago, because there don't seem to be any game-breaking glitches in it. Based on the, what, a fifth of the game that I played? Then again, it doesn't take much to be better than The Fellowship of the Ring on GBA. It, it, it really doesn't. But, but it's got three ways. It's, she's got way listed way, way, way. You know, like it's just that much better. Yes, and we all know repeating the same word multiple times as an example as, um, as, for emphasis is the sign of a great writer and a great critic. 
Why, Scott, it's almost like you're telling us that IGN writers don't necessarily know what they're talking about when they write their reviews, but that couldn't be the case. No, no, I would never, never dream of saying anything ill of IGN, a respected, respected publication. I'm curious if Old Man Murray reviewed this game, because that was a real, that was a real gaming website. (laughs) What, uh, let's see, uh, oh, I seem to remember that there was occasional text in the game informing me of things that I already knew about, but oh my. then again, if you've, if you've never read The Lord of the Rings and you've never seen the movies, then you totally ought to play the games to get the story, because it's so much better told there. Yeah. It's so much better, oh, jeez, all right. Well, uh, the Fellowship, it, 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 it fell apart. And then you took a trip to the two towers, and you you just fell apart. You just couldn't make it. It was just too much to ask. But but what if the king returned? What if the king came back? Would would that give you hope? Well, Phil, from all I understand about returning the king on GBA, it's pretty much the same small hack and slash thing as two towers, except. Eowyn is added to the character mix. That now, now because... it's not the same thing because while it was released uh, or it was published by Electronic Arts and developed by Kryptonite once again, it was well, Gri- re- Kryptonite. Yeah, Kryptonite. Gee. Kryptonite. Yeah, <laughs> but it was released in North America on November the fourth, two thousand and three. So, the, and it has different pictures on the front. So, this is a completely different experience. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure you're going through Minas Tirith and the Pelennor Fields instead of Helm's Deep and whatever the hell else I went through in Two Towers. And you've got Eowyn, and I'm sure she will play very, very differently than, say, Aragorn. Yeah, and and, uh, and you know what? Pelennor Fields means you can turn down the game soundtrack and just jam to Zeppelin for hours on end. That's a, that's a plus that I don't think EA took into account because EA. I mean, there's something control. to be said for including. You know, there's a little piece of me that wants a recut of the Lord of the Rings movie with Zeppelin. As good as the score was, I'm like, no, Battle Forevermore. Come on. You know that's the real song you should be playing here. <laughs> Probably oh, a no, nice Misty issue. Mountain Hop. <laughs> well, not, well that, that one needs to be in the Hobbit movie for sure. We've got time. Maybe, maybe a new DVD issue of the Hobbit trilogy when it comes out will let us hear the Misty Mountain Hop. Oh, they, they, they've still got time. The movie's still in production. Like, they get to the Misty Mountain, and then they play the hop, man. That, that's not till like, the second movie. We'll see what happens. Right now, I only see Howard Shore listed as music, but, yeah, it's got six months to go. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. It's not like this is a movie that's a license to print money, and they can't afford Zeppelin. Gosh, I hope not. Anyway, Return of the King on GBA. Uh, oh, yes, Phil, Phil. Hmm. As you were saying about Two Towers, this one also has a great multiplayer aspect because, as we all know, multiplayer on the GBA is a wonderful thing. Well, it's... We all love those connecting cables and needing to have your own copies of the game and having multiple GBAs, so let's do it. Let's you know, all get together I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, because it says right here in the review that multiplayer really makes this game. And, I mean, I know when I had a Game Boy Advance, boy, I was always connected to my friends with a cable hanging off of us. I mean, it was great. I mean, we were tripping people up as we were walking and playing at the same time, but, I mean, that's what we were doing back in the hoods. We were all down with that. Are well, you... people must have been doing it because that's the way you traded Pokemon. <laughs> you did it to quickly trade your Pokemon, then you quickly disconnected. 
<laughs> and, and then there was obviously, you know, the, the, the very important GBA to uh, GameCube connection, which you needed to play the best Pac-Man game. Oh, that's uh... right. I'm sure there's some special bonus you can get if you put the two towers into your GBA and put the GameCube two towers in and do the connection. I don't remember what it is offhand, but I'm sure it's there. Nintendo I'm sure you got a cool upgrade that. in both games. So, um, yeah, Gandalf, Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, Aon, and uh, I think there was a sixth character in Return of the King, but I have no idea who it is offhand. Couldn't be a hobbit, because we don't want no stinking hobbits to play as in these Lord of the Rings games. Well, they used up all the hobbits in the most excellent 1991 game. It's true. There's all, there's a certain number of hobbits that can ever be put into games, and once you've used it, developers there, henceforth fixed, have no recourse. Yeah, there's a very fixed number of hobbits. Hmm. Don't run out of hobbits. They're like a they're like an endangered species. Pretty much. Yeah. <sighs> so so you're you're saying, Mike, that despite IGN's enthusiasm for this game. Well, what does the IGN reviewer say about this one that wasn't said about the two towers on GBA? Well, they, they kind of did sort of reference the last game, saying that it does, you know, it's very similar to the previous game. It does tend to get very repetitive a little bit, but hey, it's a portable game that you can turn off and save anywhere. You don't have to use passcodes like the Super Nintendo game. So that uh. just totally means that the, you know, that the, the two-dimensional gameplay uh, is totally excusable because you can just shut it off whenever you want. Mike just says you'll be shutting it off a lot. <laughs> That's Mike's viewpoint. Oh my goodness gracious! Hey, yeah, yeah. They say it's a nice compliment to the film. I'm, I'm just saying. Just, just. Think- oh, yes, because the GBA is so capable of rendering those movie visuals as they were meant to be seen. Well, yeah, yeah, on a tiny little two-inch screen. Absolutely. All right, so we'll we'll, we'll we're gonna move on here. I I think uh, I think we've we've beat this one into the ground. Maybe maybe you're right, Mike. Maybe two inches isn't enough to hold all of Middle Earth. We need to go to a bigger screen. We need to move up to a bigger system. We need to go to the console, specifically the PlayStation Two, Xbox, and Nintendo GameCube. We can only be talking about. The Lord of the Rings, The Third Age, developed by EA Redwood Shores, published by EA. This was released on all three of those systems around November, December 2004. And this is a single and multiplayer RPG experience coming to you on one DVD ROM, unless of course you go with the GameCube edition. Then you're going to get two. You're going to get two. No, you're going to get two really cute GameCube discs. Oh, it comes on two of them? Two of them. So clearly oh. the GameCube version must be better because you get two instead of one. And two is always, always better than one. Okay, the third age. Well, let's start with how it presents itself. You don't start the game. When you start, when you initially play this game, you get a scene from Middle Earth with Ian McKellen in character as Gandalf narrating what's going on to you. And after you watch some of that clip from the movie... Uh, you get dropped into this guy named Barathor who gets attacked by a couple of Nazgul and killed in one hit. And then an elf named Idriel shows up and helps him out. And then Barathor gets more instructions through epic scenes from Gandalf. Th- this is how the game calls them, in- in- incidentally. They are epic scenes. Epic. And you, and you know exactly how many you're going to get because there's a gallery that you slowly fill out as you play through the game of 109 epic scenes of Middle-earth. 
Oh my god. I'm <laughs> glad I gave up on this game at around epic scene number 12. <laughs> um... So I'll go through the game's plot real fast. It won't take long. Barathor and Dridril are running along because Barathor has been told by Gandalf, <clears throat> must track down the Fellowship, must meet Boromir. His mission is to find Boromir for some reason that you will eventually <coughs> learn. Then they meet up with a, with a ranger named, uh, what was his freaking name? He, he was such a memorable character that I can instantly oh, recall oh, his name. Because it's so because Elagost is so so memorable a name. It is, it and he's a ranger, and that is his character. He is a ranger, and he has a dwarven friend named Hadhod, and also Hadhod is a dwarf. If you didn't know that, all of his dialogue will pretty much clue it into cue you into it, and um, that is also his entire, entire character. And they're going to join Barathor and Idriel, who is sticking along around because um, she's an elf and she's really good at fighting, <coughs> and she's the healer. So you kind of Welcome having her along, and um, yeah, they're just gonna walk along with you because because they can. Hey, hey, come on! It, it there's a point when in in your career when you realize you are with three other people who perfectly complement your skill sets, and then you just have to go on adventures with each other. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Like I have been probably in just looked around and saw all these strangers. orcs running around, and... and realized that no, these are the people I need to quest with. And then we walk to a different bar. <laughs> that is our quest. <laughs> As a side note, this, this is a fun little tangent. If you ask for walking directions from the Shire to Mordor in Google Maps, it gives you walking directions between two pubs in London. They're about <laughs> 10 miles apart. I think, the, I, think I need eight other guys British... to, to join me on this. I think the British take Tolkien more seriously than Americans do, and that might not be a bad thing. I'm, I'm saying I need eight other guys, and we're going to walk between those two bars with a ring. And then we'll just have Guinness at both ends. I'd be down with that. See, that sounds like a fun thing to do on a vacation in England. Get a lot of exercise out of it, too. Ten miles. That, that'll work off your Guinness calories. Do we get to shout, you shall not pass at some point? Yes. You can do that. I make no guarantees about what the residents of London will do if they spy you saying that, <laughs> but you can do it. Oh, but those four are not your only people. After you get through Moria, eventually, then you will meet Morwen, the the lady who lives in Rohan, even though she well, used well, to live in... Uh, first, you have to explain Gondor. what you do in Moria, because that's very important, because this is a scene you love from the books where Gandalf is fighting the Balrog, and then four random dudes teleport into the bridge and help him. Didn't you yeah, love exactly. that bit? I did. I especially loved the fact that we were able to beat the Balrog of Morgoth, somehow. And uh, only after that do you get another epic scene. Epic! In which Gandalf... Come on, Mr. Apps, you know the line. You shall not pass! Yes! Here. Sorry. Yes, he utters the line. Also, the four people who were just helping him, they're not in that movie clip. I don't know why. Yeah, they were such an weird. instrumental part of that victory. And Gandalf falls through, falls down the Bridge of Khazad-dûm with the Balrog. And you don't need to worry about him, because he's, he's immediately going to come up with another epic scene that tells you, My friends, do not worry. I fell through a long way battling the Balrog. But fortunately, I was eventually able to come out victorious. I will help you soon enough again. We don't want any tension or suspense from that. No, but... no that, that was not an emotional scene at all. I didn't, I didn't care. No. No. 
no no sense of it's not like there was a three decade long running gag where you'd see someone reading fellowship of the ring for the first time and you'd say you know gandalf the gray is no more four decades even wow yeah we we don't want to have that go on anymore so let's just let ea spell it all out instantaneously for us all right oh and also in moria you get to hear gandalf say fool of a took Throw yourself in next time and rid us of your stupidity. Well, I mean, he's a tuck. They're all dumb. And you get to have Hadhod look at that skeleton which just fell down through the well so that he can find a nice piece of armor on it. And then, oh, you get to kill the goblin that's ringing the gong, which summons all of the other goblins to attack in Moria. Because that was very important. You wanted to know what was going on there. Didn't you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this can't be superfluous information. No. All right, you're out of Moria, you're wandering around Rohan, you meet Morwen, who is a lady who used to live in Gondor, and, uh, oh yes, you will eventually learn that she was, she and Barathor are in love. You, you know this because the game tells it to you, when Barathor just tries to come on to Idriel, and Idriel shoves his hand away and says that he's meant to be with that other girl, and, well, they love each other afterwards because that's how love works. Yes, when an elf tells you to do something, you do it, because elves this, are better than you. This is very true. One does not argue with elves, especially the ones who are responsible for bringing your ass back to life with their handy-handy abilities. And then you meet your sixth guy, Aomer, or Aomer, Aodin, thank you. Because, you know, there's really only one, you you need that syllable in every Rohan male name. It's a rule. It's true, and without that extra syllable in his name i might not remember this guy because he says maybe six lines in the whole game and most of them are directly related to defending the walls in minas tirith and he just joins you because he's he's a rohan spear wielder and he had nothing better to do so he's gonna he's gonna dungeon crawl with you yeah well you know spear guy that's his whole character yeah i mean it's it's not as rich and deep as dwarf but (laughs) Spear guy. I mean, that's something. That's something. Spear, Spear guy, guy of Rohan. See, it's like a job and a location. It is. It's oh, way oh, better than a lot of early D and D characters, where your name, class, and race was elf. That's My true. Elf has a name. Shut up, elf. <laughs> um. Oh, oh yes, Barathor's deep personal journey. He is trying to get to Boromir because. He wants to get the One Ring. Well, then the Fellowship breaks up, and he's too late for that. So uh, he just, just kind of hang out and do stuff. Yeah, you just wander around Rohan. Oh, oh, hey, Gandalf said, let's go help out at Helm's Deep. Let's do that. Let's. Go. Oh, okay, we've just killed about thirty or forty Barukai here. Oh, okay. Gandalf says, let's go and help out at Osgiliath. I don't know how we got there, but we did, and now we're helping Faramir kill some things. And now, oh, the Nazgul are around again. And, uh, oh, now we got to go over to Minas Tirith. I, I don't know how we did that again. I thought it was a bit of a distance from Osgiliath to Minas Tirith, but no, nope, we're there, and we're going to help out. And then we're in the Pelennor Fields, and we're going to kill a whole bunch of things down there. And then comes the conclusion. Oh, this, this is the cake. This is, you know, the best part of the books right here. Yeah, don't you remember when these six people showed up and fought it out with Sauron? The eye. Just the eye. It's the eye of Sauron. They flew up to the top of the tower and started stabbing the eye, and the eye started shooting lasers. There you go. You've got to be kidding me. No, this is a real thing that happened. Oh, my God. This is the final block. You have to defeat all nine Nazgul to do it, but yeah. Well, all eight. You you know, you you first help Eowyn fight the Witch King, because she needed the help. She really did. And then the other eight Nazgul show up. One of them stabs Morwen. 
because she's such an she's such a well-developed character that her stabbing and about to be killed through the blade of a Nazgul is such a moving moment that you can just feel Barathor's rage. And then you beat up four Nazgul and then you beat up the other four Nazgul and it no Aragorn just shows up and magically heals Morwen of the Nazgul curse. And well, then, yeah. And like then Gandalf see. Gandalf announces it was either Gandalf or Aragorn in the game. I can't remember. It's probably Gandalf because he's narrating all of the epic scenes and just says, you must buy time for Frodo. So obviously the best way to do that is to teleport onto Sauron's tower and fight it out with the eye. And once you beat the eye, you get to see that it was your effort that made the Tower of Orthanc collapse. It was your effort that made the One Ring fall into Mount Doom. Uh, these people who were never mentioned in the book, they did it all. Because, you know, Frodo never says anything in these epic scenes, and I don't think Sam does either. So, obviously, the few times that you see them in the epic scenes mean nothing. You can just ignore them. It was all the work of men and elves and dwarves doing this. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I distinctly recall that from the appendices. Oh, and I also... Aragorn helps you out on Palinor Fields, particularly for those final Nazgul fights, and he can summon the Army of the Dead, which is actually kind of cool. But instead of winning the fight in one blow, he just needs to do it a couple times because the Nazgul have so much stinking hit points. Um, And yeah, you get to help Faramir at Osgiliath, and you get to... Gimli and Legolas both help you at Helm's Deep. And you get to help Gandalf fight the Witch King on the sto- on the slopes of Minas Tirith because, again, he needed the help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we, we should mention uh, that the game plays basically the same as Final Fantasy X. Yeah, we should. Uh, here, you've got three people in a line in battle at any one time that you can swap out with their compatriots whenever you want. Uh, status effects matter a whole lot. You can you have there's a turn order that's visibly displayed. You get to see exactly how your moves are going to affect that at any point. So if that sounds familiar, it's Final Fantasy X. Lock, stock, and barrel. Ripped completely. Hey, if you're going to steal, stealing Final Fantasy X's gameplay is not a bad way to go. Well, no. Final Fantasy X's battle system was awesome. It's the other stuff we object to. Yeah, because when you... These are movie licensed. They can't deal with anything not directly from the movie. So that means you get to kill a lot of wargs and a lot of orcs and a lot of Urukai and a lot of uh, more orcs, more goblins... You get to fight the Watcher outside Moria's entrance. You get to fight Grima Wormtongue because, you know, he totally looked like he was going to put up a big fight. You don't get to fight Saruman at all, which is slightly disappointing considering you do fight the Eye. Yeah. I I, I honestly think Christopher Early took one look at the offer and said, no. There is a little bit of Christopher Well, if Christopher Lee says no, we can't include it at all. (laughs) Well, if you – there is – one scene where, you know, Grima Wormtongue is describing the forces of are moving to Helm's Deep, but they'd be slow, weighed down by women and children. And you just get to see Saruman raise his eyebrows at that. And you hear him describe something once, and I forget what the scene was, but just to hear something not Gandalf was interesting, because he narrates freaking all of these things. Well, here's the cool part. If you ever meet Christopher Lee and make friends with him and buy him a beer, you can just say a page number and he'll start. He knows it all. It's awesome. All of it. Back to front. I'm honestly not surprised because that man is awesome. Yeah. He just turned really, 91. Good for him. He's hardcore. He is. is. He really that old? He yeah. is. Wow. The man Impressive. was born in 1922. <laughs> I know he could easily lie 25, 30 years off his age if he wanted to. <laughs> um, 
Also, I gotta love the the attention to detail that uh, this, this game had, where you know they they realized that you know pronunciation and spelling those don't really matter to a professor of, professor of languages. So they just say anything how they feel and not include uh, important consonants in words all the time. So well, they're my kind of people. <laughs> they are your kind of people. Nice. You should so you should definitely play this, Phil. I can't come up with any reasons you wouldn't want to. Look, it's got the Final Fantasy X battle system. I mean, you that... tons of orcs and wargs and goblins with it. That was one of the best battle systems ever made. It was. I enjoyed it. And, uh, okay, now, when I first stumbled into a fight with some Nazgul while I was just wandering around the hills outside of a nameless village in Rohan, I thought, crap, three Nazgul? I'm gonna die! But actually, they're, they're not that bad. The Nazgul really are kind of wusses in this game. They have a lot of hit points, but otherwise they can't hurt you that much. And they... Did it Did it ever occur to you, Mike, that the game is right and maybe the movie's wrong? That perhaps the movie just exaggerated the danger of these creatures in order to sell tickets? Because fear sells? Well, you never see anyone fight the Nazgul, really. I mean, you never, you never see any of these guys hop it up and, you know, take a knife to them. Maybe they are punk. <laughs> maybe they are. And uh, I'm just looking at eBay now, and depending on your console choice, this game runs between seven and twelve dollars. Well, let's see. Uh, there are a couple more things I want to say about it because I actually had a lot of thoughts on this thing, such as uh, in, apparently in an effort to cram as many Tolkien references in as possible, there is a ton of equipment in this game. You will get spoils after pretty much every fight. You will find treasure chests all over the place, and almost all of them will come with some fresh piece of equipment. And your people have eight regular equipment slots, eight, and four for uh, stones that give them various effects. So that's 12 equipment slots on each character. And that means that after just about every fight, you get to open the menu and figure out what that new thing does and whether it's worth equipping. Isn't that fun? That was my favorite part of Mass Effect, was going back to the ship and equipping all nine of my dudes with new armor and shotguns they would never use. See, th this was prescient on EA's behalf. This is what people want. Uh, I guess I should give the visual, art, the visual team credit for making all of these equipment choices, except the stupid little things that are just stones and have no visible place on your body. A different representations, because your helmets... Your pauldrons, your shields, your weapons, all, all your other stuff. It actually does make a difference in your character, your the look, if that does anything for you. Hey, that's pretty cool, though. I mean, Final Fantasy X didn't do that. No, because Final Fantasy X gave you a weapon, and were there any other pieces of equipment for your people? Yeah, I don't even think the we I'm trying to remember if the weapons look different when you equip different weapons, but no, definitely they did. They, they, they did, did yeah. but the armor definitely, obviously, didn't. Was there any armor in 10? I don't remember anything except the weapons. Uh, maybe an accessory or something. I, th I think there was some sort of accessory. Yeah, some sort of... But wouldn't it have been cool if they got to change clothes? Oh, wait, that would be Final Fantasy X too. Hi, <laughs> kill me! <laughs> so is there, oh, is there a Third Age 2 where you get to change clothes? No. <laughs> and change but it to different... The, but most Come of the on, you went through... And all the... <laughs> The whole story and beat the eye of Sauron. How can there be a third age too? Don't forget the part where all the hobbits sing. What can I do for you? <laughs> no, but the characters do get cameo roles in uh, one of the RTSs. Oh, 
again, these are such memorable personages that you will instantly notice them. You will go, oh, yeah, it's Elagost. That guy, he had such great lines. He was such a memorable ranger. Maybe I'm being facetious here, but no one will ever know. A million yeah, hobbits but, can save but, the world. But Mike, as long as we're facetious, no one can accuse us of uh, bad-mouthing games, and that's important. Because God is. knows we would we can't suffer bad feedback for our opinions. Well, so, you know what's yeah. funny? This is Oh, no, we'll, we'll talk about this. <laughs> we're going to talk about this in the final lap. We're gonna, you just brought up a very good point. We're going to have a discussion. Let's oh see. Thir- Do you know where the Third Age's music comes from? If you guessed the music that Howard Shore composed for the movies, you are right! And you win! Ding, 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 ding. Um, actually, Phil will tell you what you win later. Yeah, but I think... Emma, did the Xbox version support custom soundtracks? Because I remember that being a big thing that Xbox games did. I am not sure offhand. Yeah. What can I do for you? Now I'm stuck in my head. <laughs> I'm just imagining a whole bunch of hobbits singing it in chorus, you know? A thousand okay, now hobbits. I, now I will describe how you gain new abilities in Third Age, because otherwise it's just the standard kill things, get experience, level up. Ah, but you want new abilities. Well, here's what you get to do. You earn one point towards your two disciplines by using one of them in a battle. And what, how many points do your later disciplines require? Oh, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. So that means you get to use an ability from one of your skill trees, oh, 80 times, and then you learn a new one. And that Yay. means you get to either put the enemies to sleep and just stand there and use your indirect abilities over and over and over again. Oh. Or... Or you get to switch out for the weakest weapons you have. Because you can't sell anything. You're going to have tons and tons of equipment by the time the game is over. And just whack at things over and over and over and over again to develop your stuff. Or you can just wander around and get into as many random battles as you want to, you know, get your abilities. Because some of them are really freaking handy. Like Idriel's, here, if I cast this on you, when you die, you will revive at full health and you will get some magic points back. That That is actually a really handy ability. Or Hadhod's... Here, this is a shield that blocks every form of damage for a while. Enemies can throw whatever they want at you. It won't damage you at all. Maybe that's I, too easy. But nah, I used but it. But nah. I, I did just look it up. You can do custom soundtracks on the Xbox version if you're playing it on an Xbox and not a 360. So well, obviously that means this... you have to have Leonard Nimoy come in and do his songs on this subject. <laughs> yeah. You could replace the soundtrack with Led Zeppelin. This is an important feature I feel mm. we should mention. And it is exclusive to Xbox. Yes. Um, I didn't get used enough in Xbox games. Like, I think it was just the GTAs that really did it well. And I guess the sports stuff. I seem to remember EGM's review of uh, Dead or Alive Extreme Volleyball suggesting songs that were very appropriate to play with that game. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. We're, we're getting off the track again, boys. <laughs> Well, um, okay. I, I don't know why we wouldn't want to talk about the next game. I, I have no idea why we would want to avoid this, eh, Mike? One other thing about the Third Age on consoles, which is that, uh, you know, when you're constantly seeing clips from the movies and reminding yourself, hey, that looked pretty good. Going back to the game and seeing, yeah, this this totally is Moria. It's, uh, it's a gray dungeon cave, and um, there's broken things all over the place. <laughs> And, oh, yeah, this, this is definitely Minas Tirith because um, it has houses and they're tall 
And look, there's a troll over there. We've got to go kill. Um, here's my summation of the third age. Watch the movies again. Watch the extended <laughs> versions. Yeah, that's about 12 hours. But you know what? That's a really fun 12 hours because Peter Jackson did a really good job with this. And it's a lot less time than you'll spend playing this game, even if you rush through it. Which And when it's just constantly telling you these movies are out there and we're constantly taking things from them because we have this license and we are damn well going to use it. Aye, aye, aye. So, 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 Phil, are we going to talk about the other? You, you know, uh, no, no, uh, you know. No, we have to mention it. The, the, the GBA version of the Third Age is actually a, a tactical game of some kind. It has nothing oh. to do with the console versions. Well, well, would that not be along the lines of the next game on the list I'm supposed to mention? Maybe. Because I'm thinking the problem with all these games. I mean, so far you guys have said very few positive things. Even though I, I'm telling you, IGN loves these games. Maybe the problem here is that we're trying to represent epic books and epic stories and teeny tiny RPG experiences. We need to expand these games to larger, more tactical experience, such as The Lord of the Rings Tactics, published by Electronic Arts, developed by Amaze Entertainment. This is a strategy tactical RPG experience for your PSP handheld gaming entertainment system released in the United States of America on November 8th, 2005. And available on PSN, if you were wondering. Because <laughs> nobody was. <laughs> no, well, nobody... I'm sure you're gonna, we're going to find out about it, and you're all going to wa- want to rush out and get it. So, there you go. So, has, has anybody had the honor? No. We don't have a review of it on the site. That means... Gosh, it must means... not exist. We've, we've all hallucinated it. Well, that IGN is lying. That us. must mean there's only one source that we can rely on here, boys and girls. Okay, let's hear from this wonderful omniscient source. Lord of the Rings Tactics offers a strange blend of groovy gameplay elements and frustrating design decisions. Wait, a strange blend? A of strange groovy? blend of groovy. Okay. Who is this source? <laughs> While playing as members of the Fellowship and the host of Mordor is inherently cool, it's not so great seeing these characters limited to doll attacks and skills. The strategy, however, is engaging for the most part and benefits from a good mix of maps. When it comes to multiplayer, Lord of the Rings Tactics offers more flexibility than most games of this type. While there's only one main multiplayer mode, it's fun and consistently surprises. There you go, 7 out of 7, good game. Seven out of seven. Seven point seven. I mean, out of ten. I was just seeing if you're paying attention. That's all. Seeing if I put you to sleep with my monologue there. Uh, well, how could that put us to sleep, Phil? You were reading such. Wasn't such it moving? Words. An RPG fan gave it a seventy-seven, so it agrees with IGN. Oh yes, the seventy-seven percent, which is obviously easy to distinguish from the seventy-six and the seventy-eight percent. I'm just saying that both them and IGN have given this game a good score, so it must be good. Now, and what will, does RPG fan have to say about it? Uh, you know, RPG RPG fan says that it's a solid strategy RPG entry. Now, this was released in the first six months of the PSP life cycle, so they, they you know, they, they might have been given it a so little. They, they were just happy they had something. They to do just with had something. Watch Spider Man again. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but uh, well, come on, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But, uh, you know, it's funny. They give it like a 7.7, which really should be a good score. But the last line says, um, like, uh, what's his name? Smeagol's? Smeagol's? Smeagol? Yeah, Obsession with the One Ring. Electronics Arts' devotion to making an exact replica of the Lord of the Rings universe makes the game eminently predictable and ultimately forgettable. Somebody on on that review team was trying to get some nerd cred by using Smeagol instead of Gollum. I don't think it worked. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, I, I have a PSP, love my PSP to death. Um, I, I bought it, but I bought it, I waited until it was like already the second or third generation when most of those games were on sale. I saw Lord of the Rings Tactics in the bargain bin for $5. I quickly uh, went home, Googled it up, and saw the uh, the reviews, which give it an actual uh, average of 64%. So that's better than fifty one percent. It is better than fifty one, but yeah, Computer Games Mag giving it a one point five out of five, and yeah, even G four TV gave it a two out of five. It just nah, nah, and I don't look much at. I mean, I I don't look much at those websites, but when you see those kind of reviews across the board, it's like yeah, I'll I'll pass on that. It was one of those first early release games that uh, that just weren't very well made. It, it, there was nothing it did to break the mold. There's nothing exciting. It was just very much. I think it sounds very similar to your experience, where when it comes to the gameplay, I mean, you're copying Final Fantasy X format. That's pretty solid, but there, if you're not if you're not getting the depth of the spell casting system or the sphere grid, you know, in there, that's what really. I mean, it was putting those elements together with the battle system that made it fun. When you're doing kind of the same things over and over and beating up the same enemies over and over again, and you're not really having to think through stuff or get uh, creative with your team or anything, then it it gets boring really fast. <laughs> but Phil, you mean you don't want to fight the same Nazgul on their winged mounts over and over? I'm um, thinking no, no. Are you saying that this might, in fact, dilute the impact of the Nazgul? Or Sauron or a Balrog. Ooh, that'd be cool to fight, like, multiple Saurons. Hey. Don't give EA any more ideas. I mean... One Sauron to rule them all. One Sauron to rule them all! (laughs) I mean, um... Yeah, why has nobody made a Silmarillion game yet? Let's let's take on Morgoth. Hmm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking if Sauron was in a game, he would be like an epic boss, right? Like, like a like a big, huge, epic boss. And well, he shoots eye lasers at you. Yeah. How more epic can you get than eye lasers? I don't think you can get any more epic. And he than uses that. deep fear. Deep fear. Does that not strike fear into your heart, Phil? Yeah, I mean, it's not just it fear. Is. It's deep. Fear. And I mean, that's, I mean, to take down somebody that big, you can't face him alone. You need other people. You need other players. Not just a few other players. You need a massive number of other players. You need to join them in a massively multiplayer online environment like that provided by the Lord of the Rings Online, Shadows of Angmar. Developed by Turbine, published by Turbine. This is a Microsoft Windows and OS X. OS 10, I guess. I don't know. 10 release. This was released on April 24, 2007. A massively multiplayer online RPG experience. 
Well, did did you just say that's available on OS X? That's what it says right here. Excuse, excuse me a minute. Well, it does say beta in parentheses. Maybe it's OS X beta edition. Wait, wait, wait. It, it sounds like we have passed from the EA-developed line of Lord of the Rings games. I'm just going with the notes here. Well, that, that's actually a momentous thing. It means EA has finally decided to stop bleeding the license, and somebody else has taken it on. <laughs> And find different ways we shall. Did any of y'all, did y'all, any of y'all had a chance to play this one? No. Okay. Because the one thing I really want from Lord of the Rings is an excuse to go collect ten bear asses. (laughs) Ooh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, there were bears in Middle Earth. I mean, we didn't actually get to probably see any, but they were out there. Uh, I mean, we, sh- you know, they're dangerous. They they need to be called back. They need they need to be, you know, weeded out. I mean, they they need help. We we need to to get go kill them for Middle Earth or something. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> I spent I spent some time. Oh, come on, Phil. You can, you can come up with a way to make hunting bears in Middle Earth more enticing. Well, yeah, yeah, because I need to skin Maybe those. Maybe if we say that they're smarter than the average bear, <laughs> will that get people into this? Uh, yeah, it's, it's. And you get to kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's hard to talk, you know, really significantly about online game because there's so much, you know, time you have to put into it just to really be able to speak intelligently on what makes it different from anything else like World of Warcraft and the such. I did spend some time with it, but not nearly as much time to get into detail that it probably deserves. Uh, I probably got a character up until, what, 15, 18, something around there. I don't think I didn't 20. Uh, tried a couple of different characters and stuff. I mean, it just kind of came across at the time as um, feeling a lot like WoW as far as the gameplay felt to me anyways. It just didn't stand out enough, and I kind of, yeah, it didn't last too long at all. But I think it does have a, um, a music system. Music is good. What do you do with the music system? You you play it like it's actually a little mini game. It's like Guitar Hero. You get a you you get a really simplified notation for music, and every class gets their own instrument. So you can show up and you can jam. Okay. Well. Okay. That sounds a little bit better than the dancey mode. I suppose I got in World of Warcraft. And you get houses. You get housing. You can buy houses in various instance neighborhoods, which is kind of bootleg. And I'll tell you why. is because if you're into housing and you're MMOs like my wife is, I've become an expert because she has educated me on this. The cool draw point is that you build a house, you decorate the house. You can even, depending on the game you're playing, put a shopkeeper in the house and then people walk by and they see it. And they may comment on it. They may buy stuff from your vendor. They, you know, whatever. But it's there for people to see. In Lord of the Rings, it's one of those games where they put the houses in instanced areas. <laughs> so unless someone's going into that particular instance neighborhood for some silly gosh darn reason, they're not going to really see your house. So it, it kind of gives uh, MMOs a cheap way, uh, cheap way out of dealing with the issue of limited land space. Uh, when you do housing in an MMO, there's that that can be an issue. Uh, that's why some of those houses. I mean, she plays um, Ultima Online, which is only what 18 years old or something, um, and and the which the EA still runs those servers today. Uh, and the houses. Well, why not? You need like two guys to keep them running. Yeah, I know. I, probably not even that. They're part time. 
Uh, it's just a guy in a room looking at the blinking light. It's it was an intern. It was really funny. Um, I don't know if they're still doing it now, but I remember just even a few years ago, they were releasing an expansion pack that you had to buy. Oh, yeah, no, there was one last year. I'm like, what in the hell are they expanding well, on? Well, again, that's what the two guys do. They make sure the light <laughs> is blinking and right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, holy and cow. Right, content for expansions for Ultima Online. Right. I don't have – I have a number of friends in the MMO market, though none of them are currently playing this. It's gone free to play, so it's pretty easy to get into. You can download it. You can try it out, see what you think, and, and then I'm sure you've got to pay money to – get past a certain level or whatever it may be um oh i don't even think they care <laughs> they, 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 just, uh, no i'm talking about uh, lord of the rings oh well, um, that, that, that's still going let's see uh yeah the game has a free-to-play option um with an in-game store um so i'm not exactly sure what you buy in the online store or, you know how important that is Anywho, it was pretty well received when it came out. It, it got pretty good reviews across across the board, um, but meh, most of my friends went back to World of Warcraft for some silly reason. So, anywho, I wonder if you get and to be... That's, that's the story of about how many MMOs in the years since since World of Warcraft came out? Mm-hmm, pretty much. But, uh, <laughs> pretty I mean... Much all of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll... You know, I'll I'll lift my hat to them that they're still got it running. Uh, the last expansion was January twenty fifth, twenty twelve. The Writers of Rohan. Um, no, that's when it was announced. Uh, it was supposed to launch in September fifth, twenty twelve. The later delayed to October fifteenth. So it came out on October fifteenth. I raised the level cap to eighty five and added a new mounted combat system. So eh, that's fairly recent. So they're still expanding. It must be doing pretty good. Huh. Oh well, good. good. More power to him. More power to him, absolutely. So go have some uh, adventures in the in Middle Earth and do it online with your friends. Except your friends are all playing World of Warcraft, but go do it anyway. <laughs> and except for that one weird one who plays Final Fantasy XI still. <laughs> <laughs> and that one really weird one who keeps playing Final Fantasy X two over and over. What can I do for you? Oh, sorry, keep going back no. to that. <laughs> The really weird one is playing Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> yeah. Ay, ay, ay. All right. Uh, you know what? It's just, it, when we start talking about 10-2 and women changing their clothes, I get all hot. You know, I need to, we need to cool off. We need to head north. But there might be war no. up there. There might be no. something bad going on in the north. We are, of course, talking about Lord of the Rings, War in the North, the last game on our marathon of Lord of the Rings games. This was developed by Snowblind Studios, published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, released in Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and on live in their cloud servers. This was released in North America on November 1st, 2011, a single-player co-op and multiplayer RPG experience. Coming to you so many different ways and so many different platforms, it must be oozing with cold awesomeness. No, no, <laughs> no, it is not. But, but, but Mr. Apps, I understand that you have painful experiences in this regard. Yes, you may notice that. Well, at least as far as we know, we don't have a review for it, and you may be curious as to why that is. Why is that, Mr. Apps? Why don't we have a review for it? Well. 
coming back to the whole save issues that you know we experienced on the Super Nintendo game, where you had to enter insanely long passwords, uh-huh. somehow a developer found a way to create even worse save issues in a Lord of the Rings game. Well, it's not like they're trying to stretch one engine for you know seven or eight years. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, ten years. <laughs> Yes, Lord of the Rings War in the North runs on the exact same engine as Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you know... Game engine that was so nice, we used it thrice. Oh, no, not not thrice. I'm talking about, like, about ten games. Thrice times three. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. Listen, game developers, okay? Look... I like to hold on to my underwear for as long as I can, but the wife has assured me that at some point they must go. You just can't wear them for 10 years straight. It's the same thing with your with your game program. You can't do that. Your engines, your game engines, bad, bad, bad. But this is a game that can support top-down beat-em-ups and historical shooters. Why would why would you need a new one after 10 years? <laughs> That's right. And this Bioware managed to tool set for a decade, right? <laughs> clearly, after ten years of use, you have plunged you have gotten rid of all the bugs. It ought to work like a charm. There can't be any issues left with it because we've had so much experience with it. How can there be any problems with it? Well, if you're talking about the pure action in the game and nothing else, well that is actually pretty decent. You know, it's kind of your typical Diablo-ish game, a little bit heavier on the action side. Uh, some of the classes have some cool abilities. There's your uh, certainly selection of characters you'd never expect from a Lord of the Rings game in a dwarf, a ranger, and an elf. You know, shock- wait, wait. I know that. I know that's shocking. A ranger in Lord of the Rings? I know. blowing my mind. I know. Totally shocking. And an elf, too? Wait, you're... It's a good thing I'm already sitting down because I don't know if I could have stood without fainting from this news. Yeah, so they actually have a diverse selection of skills you can choose from. And, you know, these typical loot, you know, cool new armor and weapons. Oh, that sounds exciting. Yeah, it, 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 it would be exciting until we start getting into some of the issues. Issues? What, what, could, be, what could an issue be about cool armor and new weapons? Mining for gems. Ooh, well, mining. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's pretty cool. But um, it gets a bit repetitive because... Uh, you have to repeat the, the same thing. sections? Like the whole game? Yeah, and there's the not, uh, not too much beyond the combat and some random really weird um, stationary gun shooter segments in a Lord of the Rings game. Well, yeah. You, Do we you gotta use... have turret section. Of course. <laughs> what are these guns uh, firing? Arrows. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Explosive arrows. Catapults, even? Catapults, even. Uh, okay, well, that that makes it fit in perfectly. That, yeah, that is exactly the role that you would want to play. The enemy selection in this game I would not necessarily describe as diverse. You're kind of fighting the same orcs over and over and over again. Sometimes lots of them, and it's kind of actually fun when you're fighting hordes of the orcs. And then we come to the save issues. The save issues that I experienced. Now, reportedly, many of these have been patched. Um, not enough that I was able to recover my save and actually finish the game on PS3. Um, 
But this is one of those auto-saving games where, you know, you can't choose to save anywhere. It saves at checkpoints, which normally, you know, you know, people like to be able to save whenever they want, but that's not normally an issue, except when the game breaks your save and you can no longer continue. And this is a problem because... You know, I'm just thinking it's a great opportunity for you to re-explore Middle-Earth again. It just... The game doesn't want you to end this experience too quickly. I mean, it's so much what fun. I'm hearing, what I'm hearing here is an excellent opportunity for you to just keep your PS3 on continuously and play it without stopping. I mean, that's true. Well, I mean, why turn it off? It's much faster if you can just, you know, just sit down and bam, well, it's already there. You see, that might work, except that when the game breaks and breaks your save. It prevents you from continuing at all, so though you may keep your PS3 on as long as you like, you won't be able to proceed. But you can start yeah. over, right? I mean, that's still if, an option, right? It's from the beginning of the game, right. yes. Well, why are you ignoring that option for? I don't I don't understand what the if, problem is here. If you were lucky... The action you have described is so addictive that I can't understand how you could possibly look upon the opportunity to experience the whole thing over as a bad thing. I mean, well, really, because Nolan North the... does not do enough video games. You need to play game one game with him in, in it over and over again. I'm thinking this is just like the old Atari games. I mean, you didn't hear me belly aching when I turned off Space Invaders, and the next time I came on, I had to start it from hey. the beginning again. If I want to hear Nolan North's, Nolan North's awesome voice over and over again, I'll just play Resonance of Fate a bunch of times, all right? And not this game. Because, really, although starting over is certainly an option, there's no guarantee that you won't run into the same issue again. Well, and, of course, if you're lucky enough to have PS Plus, you can back up your save at what would appear to be a save point. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes, what would appear Probably. to be a, a, a save point. <laughs> like a save point where you, you think your save isn't broken and restore that and hope for the best. But um, so yeah, it's actually uh, so it's actually camouflaged as a save point, but isn't correct. Well, no. It sounds like the developer was actually quite devious with this game. Uh, seemingly unintentionally, yes. Now, like I said, the game actually has its good points. It's pretty, it can be pretty fun, and if you don't run into sa any save issues, it's probably you know a good four or five hours of fun. Nothing you're going to want to go back to. But, yeah. And, you know, the worst part about that save issue, assuming you were smart enough to back up when you think you're safe, uh, you'll lose all the, the cool loot you've gotten, you know, which is kind of a big part of these games. And that can even happen if there's, like, um, I, that, I mean, I think I even had that happen to me randomly, where I, like, turned off the game and for some reason it had me back at Syria. Like, my first experience with the game is I had intended to play it through co-op with somebody. We got uh, decently far, beat a few bosses, and when we loaded up our multiplayer save, we were had not beaten any of those bosses and had none of the loot that we had gained. Despite the fact that the game had very clearly saved after we'd done all that. This is sounding more and more devious on the part of the developer to me. Yeah. Hmm... I think the game heard you whining and just started to get pissy with you. Now, of course, there are some other graphical glitches and other random weird issues. So, you, you know, I'm sensing a lot of negativity from you. I'm just saying, you know, just well, this game felt like it was rushed out, and there was zero reason for it to be rushed out because this was after the movies. 
there uh, no particular reason why I had to be out right away. And yeah. Hmm. It's almost Indeed. like someone was really desperate for a Q4 release that year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and of course, it was WB where they were guaranteed to make money because they had a Batman game coming out. Yeah, a, a Batman. And you maybe know, it was maybe it was supposed to be a tax write-off. Who knows? You know, this game was you know supposed to have like this big plot, like this untold story, and you know it's basically. But you just uh, told it. You're, well, the story is you're a giant distraction. The story of a game that doesn't let you keep your save. The heartbreak that Wheels felt when he turned on that PlayStation that fateful day, and it said oh. no save file. Oh, no, it doesn't say no save file. What does it say? I think, you, mis- I think that you misunderstand. You will load in the game, and everything will seem fine. You'll be at the last checkpoint, and there will be literally no possible way for you to continue the game at all. You could, like, go back to previous areas and stuff, and if you're lucky, and go back to previous areas. And, in fact, a lot of the story sequences will re-trigger. But you'll go back to that same area, and the same thing will happen, and you won't be able to advance. And it's incredibly frustrating. So we couldn't do a review and talk about that stuff as the reason for not finishing? I think our policy is quite clear. Well, our policy normally is you have to finish the game, but if it's a game-crushing bug that prevents you from getting through it, then can't you review it since it's a clear impossibility? I think by that point, my soul soul was so crushed that I just wanted nothing to do with the game anymore. And then I reviewed Mew Gen Souls. (laughs) You realize just how wrong you were. So at least War in the North is superior to Mugen Souls, right? Yes, yes. This this game, in its orig- assuming we're talking about its original state where it could break your save, is um, 100 times better than Mugen Souls. Okay. Think about that, think about that for a minute. Th- that is the recommendation that I can see being on every box cover. <laughs> it's better than Mugen Souls. <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott. You were saying something. Well, that's just what Mac does. He gives you he 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 knocks you down, and then he keeps handing you games to kick you. Oh, we know that only too well, don't we, Mike? Yeah, yeah, we do. Though, so though, he has said that if we get a review code for Project X Zone, I'll be getting that. There you go. Well, yeah, but well, who says that's good? See, that's how he hooked me in because he's like, Phil, I felt so bad that that uh, that you reviewed what was it, Doki Pong Kingdom or one of those games. And he's like, well, he's- gosh, Phil, it's it's like you wanted to talk about Cross Edge in our last episode, but it, it almost <laughs> didn't work for some reason. No, no, no. <laughs> that's what it was. I had just done Dark Spire, which I hated to death, and he's like, oh, you know what, Phil, you pick the next in your review, and I saw the pictures of these really cute anime chicks and everything on cross edge i'm like that looks like a fun game turn-based rpg hook me up see, see mr abs <laughs> this would have been a logical segue because our Tenelico characters are in cross edge they are it's one of the reasons i bought that thing <laughs> i bought that thing <laughs> i, I noticed the... you're not using the word game to refer no. to it <laughs> 
I refuse to call that thing a game. Did I call it a game in my review? I, I don't know, but you that's that's how that's how that's how our editor in chief suckered me in into yet another review because he he made gave me the illusion that it was my choice. <laughs> and that it would be a fun game, you know, to contrast with the two or three sucky games I had just had to go through. And it, was this before or after from the abyss? I think it was after. I'm pretty sure it was after. Whatever it was, it was bad. Well, this has been a depressing maybe event segment talking about Lord of the Rings games. Um, just as a. I- what, what's... Well, what is the most positive one we can come up with? Because none of us have played it, and some people gave it sort of good reviews. Tactics, I guess? No, no, no Tactics was lame. Yeah, even though those two um, professional sources or whatever gave it a good score, uh, the rest of the scores were really bad. And in, re- in uh, okay. reading the details, I'm a tactical fan myself, and in reading the details of the reviews, I can tell you there's much better alternatives on the PSP than to waste your time with that. That leaves the online game as the one that. Well, you you kind of thought it was okay, right, Phil? Yeah, I mean, it's it was it was okay. I mean, if it wasn't for WoW, I could see you know myself putting a lot more time into it. It was just at that point and going forward, WoW has just been a deeper gameplay experience. But um, but I could see. I mean, it it was you know it was decent enough, and I mean, people obviously like it. They keep paying the money. <laughs> they well now it's free you know, to play. Well, remembering it, the third age because it's following. Where Gandalf is going does not let you go into Mordor. So if you wanted to fight Shalob in that game, sorry, you can't. Because that's where Sam and, and Frodo went. You don't go there. Hmm. Wouldn't Shalob have been interesting? Because then you would fight a spider instead of all these wild men and orcs and goblins and then more of the same. But no. Hmm. Now, if, if that game had included Shalob's Lair, you would have fought 800 spiders first. Come on. It's true. But considering how few enemy varieties there are already, one more, eh, I realize I'm grasping at straws here. You know, uh, how about instead of going and looking for these games on eBay, look up a little webcomic called DM of the Rings. It's brilliant, it's hilarious, you should read it. And you'll have a lot more fun than playing one of the Lord of the Rings games, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. come on! You aren't going to do the usual eBay roundup? No, no, no. I'm you don't not, need to buy any You don't need to buy any of this. If you're, I, I think the probably the best game out of everything we talked about uh, is the online game, because... And that you can try for free, so... <laughs> War in the North on PC is probably safe enough to play. Uh, probably, not going to. I would uh, do your research, but it I mean, might be. Game, game crushing bug aside, though, it really didn't sound like you were having that much fun with it. Well, uh, well like I said, they've patched a lot of that, and it, it just as far as I could tell, because I only had the PS3 version, uh, it, that seemed to be the only version that was still in. Hmm. Um, but, you know, I've I've heard a lot of people that have completed the game without any issues, and, and most of those people I talked to did not play the PS3 version. So, if you avoid the PS3 version, you might but, be okay, and you might have some fun. Right, but even with the game bugs aside, my whole point is it doesn't really sound like or look like a, that fun of a gameplay experience. Well, it's got good action. Oh, you enjoyed the action, okay. Just don't pay very much for it. If, if you buy... The, War in the North for like five to ten dollars on one of the platforms where it supposedly isn't horribly broken. Three sixty is one of those, right? Yeah, you'll probably get your money's worth. Hmm. Um, 
Now, on a on a I'm slight not sure that's a glowing review. Oh, on a on a slight tangent uh, before we move on to uh, to other sections or section, I should probably uh, say. Um, I, I, you know, there are a lot of uh, a number of other Lord of the Rings games, uh, and uh, and we mostly just talk about the RPGs here. But I I will point out uh, a couple of other things. Uh, first off, is the Lord of the Rings real time strategy games, which I still own, and uh, I should just double check if I see if they're on Steam. Uh, but they they were actually pretty decent and pretty competent. They actually try to do a couple of different things instead of sending out. Uh, and I might be mixing one and two up. So if there's any purists who are really into these RTS games, uh, please forgive me. I kind of played them both in rapid succession, one right after the other, many years ago. And I know there were some fundamental differences between one and two. There are many more commonalities and differences, but there were some important differences. Um, but I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed both of them. They were actually for a licensed RTS game. I was pleasantly surprised. They actually do a couple of different things. You can build huge walls easily to section off huge portions of the map. Unlike most RTS games, uh, even back then that tend to favor turtling, uh, it was mostly you know building your tight little base uh, like Age of Empire or something. Here in this game, you'll build you'll build a wall that covers forty percent of the map. I mean, you can do that if you want to try. Uh, instead of sending work out uh, to work certain fields and stuff like you saw from a lot of RTS games in those days you would uh, you would plant down uh, buildings resource buildings that would cover an area around them and depending on you know whether there are mountains or other resource buildings in the way it would show you a percentage of just how effective they were being so you really want to put them in open wide areas with the farms could spread out and it was kind of an interesting concept. Um, you just plot these things out, take up a bunch of land, and, and in English, the more land you had control of, uh, the more uh, the more resources you would get per minute. You would build up uh, rather big armies. You could upgrade them. You also had some heroes in there if you were playing uh, the good side or the human side or whatever it was. You would uh, you'd get like Frodo and some of those other guys. I don't remember their names. You guys remember all their names, all the hero guys. But you could recruit them and 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 you would get special powers you'd work up a tech tree as as you would play the game and you would kill things a meter would fill up and it would uh you would gain level or or not levels is the right word but you would gain some whatever levels you would gain levels that you could spend to unlock special one-time use powers or bonuses or the such so it's published by uh, electronic arts it, it probably is on the origin store i would imagine it, it's still a fun little old school um rts game and the second one came with the expansion the rise of the witch king so i mean they're they're, they're just both uh they're they're both pretty fun games you you, you can't go wrong if you can if you can find them, what is it called? It's called the Raya, uh, Lord of the Rings: The Battle for Middle Earth. So that that, that one was pretty good. And then you have um, uh, another one that we're going to give away uh, later on. Our giveaway for today is actually Lord of the Rings Legos. Ah, <laughs> so, um, I haven't actually played that one, but I've heard it's pretty good. Aside from a personal, uh, one of y'all said you played it, right? Yeah, I've played it. Tell us a little bit about it, since uh, they're going to be winning it probably. <laughs> Well, it you know it, it's a Lego game. At this point, you know how those work. You know you run around and you build, you build little, you break things and you build things and you solve puzzles and you. Well, if you have to do something once, you'll probably end up doing it three times to be the boss. And uh, this one is interesting in that rather than uh, try and pantomime the plot of Lord of the Rings, they just pull the audio from the movies completely. Oh, that's real original. Yep. 
That's what all of the Lego movies... Wait a minute. The other Lego games, well, most of them didn't do that. Yeah, well, the voice acting is new for the Lego games, and I still find... I still object to it a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what made the other ones funny. When I played, like, the Star Wars one, they just did a bunch of emo-type sounds that, and facial expressions and stuff that made them look funny. Kind of like The Sims. Yeah. Left it open to your imagination. Well, they they expected you to know what the story was already, because, hey, it's not like you haven't seen Star Wars a billion times. Mm-hmm. And you just, you know, follow along and laugh at all the jokes. Uh, I, I still maintain that uh, the greatest failing of uh, the, the upcoming Mar- Lego Marvel game is that all the characters talk. I think they should have gone back to pantomime, except for Deadpool. Mm. Deadpool could have voice acting. <laughs> But it's a fun game, you know, you build things and do jumping around and solve puzzles and fight Lego monsters. And the split and it act, and if you're playing co-op, it actually has split screen, so you aren't stuck on the same little TV box. Cool. Which is annoying if in the older ones. So somebody listening to our show uh will be winning that hopefully in the next uh, couple of weeks after we get it posted and uh, we'll mention the question or what you need to do. I'm still thinking that up uh, in a bit here at the uh, last section of the show. Um, and it's apparently infinitely better than any of the Lord of the Rings RPGs. Um, no, <laughs> sorry. And, you I don't know, know. Doesn't that, you, it doesn't have a playable fatty bulger. Actually, it's Lego. It probably does. You can probably unlock him. I'm not, and I'm not, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing a quick search here. EA owns, <coughs> you know, their Origin download service. I can't find the, the RTS Battle for Middle Earth games on there. I can find Lord of the Rings War in the North for the cheap price of $20. Ugh, too expensive. Yeah. Way for a sale. Yeah. So, go figure on that one. Um... But you might have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go check. I, I know that Middle Earth game. I mean, I still got it on DVDs. I don't see it on Steam. Uh, it might have to be an eBay purchase. Oh my gosh, you might have to might have to actually open up your CD-ROM drive to play this game. It wasn't. It was an EA game, and it's on. Like the second one, really tried to get people to go online and stuff. It's kind of odd that uh, hmm, Battle for yeah, Middle Earth. No, then they'd have see if they sold it. They'd have to have servers for it, and no one wants to maintain uh, servers. Maybe that's a, why they don't want to maintain that's this. That old. Yeah, you're probably right. Oh wow, Lord of the Rings: Battle for Middle Earth Two for the PC, brand new, one hundred and twenty dollars. Ooh, here's oh. one for one hundred and sixty, sealed. Uh-oh, oh, or you can get Middle-Earth 1 and 2 for $242. Well, hell, I'm sitting on a gold mine over here. Goodness, okay. You got some used and good condition ones going for uh, 30 35 40 So apparently, yeah, if this was on an online service, it wouldn't be demanding these prices on eBay. So I'm going to take a shot in the dark and guess it's on none of the uh, downloadable uh, services, unfortunately, which is a shame. Uh, like I said, it is a pretty good uh, – pretty good. And if you are an RTS fan, especially the old – more arts, uh, the older school approach um, of, you know, turtling, defense, you know, more methodical pacing than what you get in – let's say a faster starcraft game uh you might want to check it out but yeah it's, it's not it's not going to be cheap so in the meantime we're gonna give you lego star or I almost said star wars <laughs> we're gonna give you lego lord of the rings which costs no, us a lego lot indiana jones yeah which cost us a lot less than 50 dollars. that's how much we love you guys all right uh well thank you so much uh guys we're gonna take a break we're gonna come back we're gonna jump right into the the final app we got a lot of great stuff to to talk about here before we send you all off so we'll be right back and uh, enjoy this very not original lord of the rings music
have made it back. This is the final lap. We talk about, we read your comments on the air, we answer questions, we talk about things that interest us and interest you. We do uh, we do news, uh, any retro news that's uh, caught my attention or our attention. We go ahead and we bring that up as well. And uh, and oh boy, there's there's a lot to talk about here. But uh, uh, boy, even the comments this week, Mike. I I don't think if I took the comments from the last thirty shows and put it together, it would it would reach the the number of posts I saw. Uh, regarding we had, our last we had show, some episodes that got this many comments, but not for a while. I guess it's just been that long. Well, it has been a while since we've badmouthed a JRPG. And the thing was, it, I don't even think it was badmouthed yeah, we that we bad. Not, Mr. Apps, were you particularly negative in your Artanelico comments there? I don't remember no, that. Not except for uh, you know Artanelico three, but I think we even had even a lot there. Of I don't remember you say saying. Wait. I don't remember you saying this is a piece of garbage and a disgrace to the Artanelico name. More like, yeah. but this you didn't love stand. it hard enough to learn two <laughs> languages to play it right. So yes. a couple take, take advantage of the PS3 being region free, so that you can import the Japanese version, play it in Japanese, and then feel free to to criticize NISA's localization for not being faithful enough. So to kind of put some things out here on the table, we kind of review this every once in a while, and sometimes we get some new listeners that haven't gone back and listened to our vast catalog of 90-some podcasts. But when we when we talk about these games, um, we're talking about them from our own experiences, and that means that a lot of us aren't going back and playing the original Japanese version or reading the mangas or anything along those lines. Or, and even, it, or even, you know, digging through your copies to find it and actually install it. Mostly, we just kind of read the Wikipedia to remember what the hell happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of times, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, a lot of times we are talking about these games 12 years after the fact, so we're going to get some of our facts messed up. or we're with, with the episode we have just recorded, we have the benefit of being pretty familiar with this story through other sources, but most of the time recalling all these damn proper nouns is pretty hard. And for yeah. people who can do it, more power to you. I'm amazed that you are able to devote so much of your mind to all the proper nouns and classifications from all the RPGs you play. I just can't do that anymore. I'm sorry, people. And I didn't even say anything last episode. Now, yeah. what what I what I try to encourage people to do is is you're more than welcome to to put your comments up on the up on the boards. Which I mean, some of some of you all done, but I like to see it be a little bit more. Um, the constructive isn't the right word, but well, a little bit more pot. Like you can, if you no, want to write, honestly, no. Add something to the discussion. Yeah, yeah, and Bring something to it. And, and what you can do is you can you can um, you can actually record your own review of the game. Now, don't go on for fifty minutes like we do because I'm just going to pin it to the end of the show. But you know, two to five minute, organize your thoughts, do some bullet points, and you can do. I mean, I advertised this for months and months and months, and no one did it, so I stopped advertising it. But I'm more than happy to uh, to append. Uh, Strawberry Eggs did it for a long time before she became an official staff member. But you're more than welcome to record your thoughts on your game and send. 
send them to me. Just make sure it's it sounds somewhat professional. You've taken some time to to think out and and your thoughts before you start recording, and uh, keep it uh, to a halfway decent time, or it will simply get deleted. Um, but uh, you can do that. You can absolutely do that. And it was very apparent that some of y'all have put a lot more time into the series than than, or you've done it more recently than we have. And that's going to happen from that time. And that's okay. That's all right. But none of us are. Uh, you know, it's not like we woke up one day and decided we're going to be pissy at the game you love, you know, so dear. It's just, I, I think well, I it, do that, and I, and I think I it was, up and I'm like, you know what, Pokemon needs the needs some stuff taken out of it, and then I read an editorial. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what's interesting is, for the most part, um, uh, the, the, that we were pretty positive on the series, and there was definitely some things to address, especially on the third one. Um, there was definitely some strong opinions about uh, a couple of the characters and a couple of other aspects of the game. But for the most part, we really did talk pretty positive about the series, especially the first two games. So I was kind of shocked that you thought we had just totally bad now Final Fantasy, a Final Fantasy game, which of course we know <laughs> is the, the the ultimate sin here at RP Gamer. Um, but it's true. How dare anyone say that Final Fantasy X, for instance, is a mixed bag? Yeah, or, or that Final Fantasy VIII might not have you know be the most sterling example of character writing. How dare you! How dare you do such a thing? Or Where could we ever have gotten that of idea? a JRPG of inconsistencies? I am shocked and appalled. Or how about talking about how Fallout Three is not very good? Get out! I think that will form that its was... own entire podcast one day. Well, and that's that's kind of the funny thing about some of the, the the forum posts. It's it's if I sit here and talk smack about a Western RPG, it seems like no matter how critical I get, I I hardly get two comments on it. But if we talk about a JRPG, oh, hold back! You be, you better watch out, even when it's mostly positive. Uh, anyways. I don't know, Phil. I think if you bashed um, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, uh, it would actually go by unfazed. I saw that somebody else on another thread said something bad. The worst game ever. The worst game. That was the firm. Okay, I'm trolling you, whoever you are. Bad, you bad. That's a great game. Go back and play it again, okay? This time, put more than two hours into it. Oh, it's a fun game. Don't make fun of Dragon Quarter. It's actually the best one of the series. Those other ones put me to sleep. So boring. Person can turn to a dragon. Woohoo. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, boy, there's just, there's just kind of a lot of comments, but I think on the forums they were pretty much answered by uh, the people who actually played the game. I'm not going to go into to details because I didn't remember... I mean, I played the first one a little bit. The second one, no, the first one I played over halfway through. The second one I've just barely touched. Uh, but the people who played through all three games and or more and knew the st- knew the stories better than I did have already answered uh, a lot of those posts that are on there. So um, I don't. I think there was actually one comment about something I talked about though. There's like 30 comments about R10 Alico, and there was one comment towards the top uh, back when I was trying out. The Windows 8 release, I couldn't get any of my XNA games to work under Steam, primarily Breath of Death 7, Cthulhu Saves the World, and Penny Arcade Adventures 3. Don't know if they fixed it later on, because we were talking that last show whether or not you could do a lot of your gaming, especially retro gaming, in, in Windows 8. So, there we go, one line for something that I brought up, and the rest was people upset about Artanelico. Uh, we just don't love it quite as hard or the right way. Yeah, yeah how did it- it's almost like we didn't play it twice in both languages in order to compile a list of 
all the changes that are not necessarily for the better made by the localization department for all the people in the world who can't speak, who can't read Japanese. Now, I'm not saying, now I realize I might be coming off as a bit facetious and condescending, but, you know, I feel your pain because I honestly do kick the verbal crap out of people for not loving cyberpunk the right way. But here's the thing. Cyberpunk is good. <laughs> and accessible to people. So, you know, there's that. Mm. Um, yeah, so, go figure. Uh, Ari, well, so, with that being said, <laughs> everybody, go write your comments on board.rpgamer.com. We do read them, we do respond to them. Uh, we'd love to chit-chat back and forth uh, with you. So, uh, that's all at rpgamer.com. Hit the forum link on the left. Uh, and uh, check it out. Go to iTunes. We're on iTunes. If you didn't download this from iTunes, we uh, Mr. Miki works very hard to keep that updated and looking pretty. You can leave your five-star comments. If you want to leave less than five stars, go leave it with those other podcasts. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we like the five stars. And everyone does. Five everyone, stars is the right amount. I'm telling you what. I'm going to do I'm going to do a giveaway for somebody who has left us a iTunes review at some point in the future. Not this week. This week we'll come up with something else, but that's coming soon. I know that some of our gentlemen have been on the show for a while and it's getting late for them, so I want to give them a chance before we go on to anything else to uh part of the part of the Final lap is we like to give all of our guests and hosts uh, a few minutes or so to talk about what they're doing, what's on their mind, what they're posting on the site, or what they're playing, whether or not it's related to the site. We like to hear about it. So why don't we give Mr. Apps a chance to speak? Oh Well, I um, recently finished a sterling example of RPG greatness in Dead Island Riptide. Which so I so you made it through the game without vomiting too much? Somehow, yes. That, that uh, head bobbing is terrible, man. <laughs> I don't get motion sick, and that game almost made me motion sick. Uh, but I will, we're going to save that for the review. That should be up uh, probably, I'm going to say, next week. Um, yeah, uh, uh, several others have tried it and failed, I understand. So your stomach is truly a strong one. It's yes. really an RPG? Yeah, it is. But you, it's Borderlands, but with hammers. Yes. Do you make decisions that impact the story? No. Yes, no, it's you more... make the decision to kill the zombie. Yeah, well, yeah. Or you that. make the decision to not kill the zombie the right way, and the, the story goes, oh, you're dead. <laughs> Normally, I would say you either make the decision to kill the zombie or you don't and you die. And they, but, the, but the funny well, thing is, what I understand, these zombies don't really seem to come after you very well. Well, you see, the, the thing is that if you die, you, it, it, it's not so much that, um, you know, the decision is kill the zombie correctly or die. It's kill the zombie correctly or respawn in seven seconds. Oh, well, that seems it's realistic. Full yeah. Full health, too. Uh, nice. But like I said, same enough for review. There were some positive bits towards the far end of the game, but... Um, uh, it's definitely not a great game, and I, and uh, I have a lot to say on that. I mean, I know I know my friend enjoyed the original game. In fact, he put a according to Steam, he's put a bucket load of hours into it. But uh, yeah, I'm not so sure he should rush out. We'll tell him to wait for the review if he has hasn't already rushed out and bought that one. Well, I, I I've never played the original, so I don't know if I mostly dislike that one too. But um, it's just it's. 
you know, looking at it from the outside, it's Borderlands, zombies. It's not a bad idea. It's just there's a lot of issues with the execution that make it not very fun to play. Hmm. In addition to the motion sickness issue. In uh, that, yeah, that's definitely one of the things. Um, you know, cause the game... I, I, I seem to recall you saying that it doesn't give you motion sickness so much as uh, it's an insomnia cure. Well, that was actually the early parts of the game where there were just it just was lots of boring fetch quests, and it just it was hard to proceed because it was completely uninteresting. And then later on, um, there was s- some much better missions, like one where you're going through a tunnel with like almost no lighting, so you have to make careful use of your supply of flares, or you're just gonna have to wander through completely in the dark. So. You know, it, it does some better things later on. It's just, you know, like the the areas that match the name, like wandering around in the jungle, you know, in a tropical island were really awful. And the areas that, you know, were more confined and more strictly scripted were a lot better. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can go on for a while. So I'm just going to say keep an eye out for the review. Um and I will have a lot of things to say about this game. Mm, righty. Definitely sounds that way. Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, it seems like when I have issues with the game, I have more to say, and sometimes when I really like a game, it's harder to say exactly why. Okay. Hmm. Oh, what about Mr. Wachter? Uh Right now, I am in the middle of playing uh, Rise of the Argonauts, which... Hmm. I have I have conflict I have conflicts about that game. Is that is that is is that a new game or no? That, what no, is no, that? Four or five years old? Four or five? Years? I about to say four I've heard of this before, haven't I? Yeah. Oh, what what system is that on? Uh, it is on uh, the X. I think it came out on Xbox and uh, PC and PS3. Oh, so it's a like a a small downloadable title type of thing. No, no, it was a, it was a disc it, thing. Oh, it was a disc thing. Okay, all right. Uh, what, what's it? What's it like? Uh, oh, I remember this now. But but for the benefit of those who haven't heard of it before, give us a little recap. Well, it, it, it feels like it's fallen out of an alternate universe where uh, after Jade Empire, Bioware made a game based in ancient Greece uh-huh. with the same engine and style. <laughs> Hmm. That, that doesn't sound uh, half, unappealing. Yeah, really. about to say. So that sounds pretty good, right? Like it. it the problem is, it's got some janky camera stuff, some texture pop in. It's got good art design, but it's really badly executed half the time. So like textures are just terrible on a lot camera. of things. Hmm. That the voice acting is not very good. <laughs> But it, it, the combat's pretty interesting. You get some cool powers out of it. Uh, I like uh, the uh, the sort of alignment system they have going, wherein um, every time you talk to someone, you will be presented with dialogue options, and your attitude reflects uh, one of four different Greek gods. And uh, by playing to that uh, particular attitude, you get XP from towards that specific god, which gets you uh, different talent trees. Okay. So, right. so like being being a being a snarky jackass gets you Hermes points, and Hermes points let you uh, do sneaky rogue stuff and have crazy, weird time manipulating magics. Well, okay, that sounds kind of cool. Are, are you going to be writing up a review of this when you're done? Uh, I doubt it. So if you, I don't think I'm going to be far off from our original review. And what where where did that sit at when it was all said and done? 
Somewhere in the middle, I think a 3.5. Okay, fair enough. I believe it was Glenn that wrote it. Sounded like it, it, it definitely could have, you know, has some promise, but uh, just kind of came up short on the execution, huh? Well, a lot of it, like, I want to, there's part of me that thinks this was like a super delayed game that was supposed to come out on PS2 or something. Ah. Hmm. Okay. Anything, uh, anything else uh, you want to chit-chat about to our audience? Or to us? Yeah, uh, Shadowrun. Still terrible. Shadowrun. What Shadowrun? It's terrible is what it is. <laughs> like the we, new we one there? We on Shadowrun, Phil. I, don't, I doubt it's the one he's talking about because that no, was No, well, that, those are also terrible, but Shadowrun as a, as a whole, a concept, is terrible. Why is it terrible? Uh, because, hey, guess what? Uh, you, you're, these two genres do not mash well. You you have undercut the themes of both, leaving you with nothing except some arms with fucking crap in him. What, what game? Which which Shadowrunner game are you talking about? There's so many. There's like the RPG from the Genesis. There's the weird shooter game they did. There's the Kickstarter. Just the setting. The setting. Is oh, going. the setting. He's talking about the concept itself. Oh, so I shouldn't have helped out the Kickstarter. Good going, man. Now I feel all bad about that. Okay. Um, I'll probably. <laughs> Uh, we'll see if I don't feel the same. Um, um, anywho, hmm, car. What about you, Mister Minky? Well, okay. Oh, speaking of, real fast, since you brought up the fact that uh, Argonaut, the uh, Rise of the Argonauts, or whatever it was called. Um, <laughs> sorry, everything's Rise of the Argonauts to me now. Uh, but since you brought up the fact that that kind of is like Jade Regent, we should probably bring up the fact that Jade Regent is now on GOG. That's right. For a limited time, they're selling at nine ninety five. Of course, at the speed I you know post this podcast it'll the sale will be over so i'm guessing and it'll be a be a whole 12 99 12.99 okay just way way too way much too much yeah so you can i know this game's been on steam for a while i'm not uh sue is it still on steam i'm sure it still is i'm yeah unless they had the digital rights pulled or something but i doubt that yeah i doubt that too in fact i think i saw it on a steam sale not that long ago but, of course, I would do the GOG version and pay a little bit more because it's DRM-free. And it comes and a I'm little... sure you get something fun with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do get the soundtrack and an art book. So there you go. Well, that's cool. So I'm a big fan of supporting GOG, as we all know. And that was pretty cool that, that came out. I actually had that on my Geo. I have, like, a list of games that are on um, wish list that I hope that they'll get a rights to and distribute through them. So that was one of them. Got a little email. Mm-hmm. That they even have, you know, a, they even have a thing on their website where you just like make this happen. Yeah, you just like, go down the list. They got like a list of what you know people have put in as wish list items. I just went through. You just click on which ones you you think you know you would like to see them bring in, and yeah, it, it adds to the votes. So that kind of gives them an indication. Plus, uh, it shoots you off an email immediately if they do release it on the site. And there are some things that will probably never happen, like uh, I know pretty high up on the list is No One Lives Forever, except apparently no one is sure who owns the rights to No One Lives Forever. Oh, that's a shame. I love that game. I know it's a good game. I'd like to play it again. It's a, and for those who don't know, it's a, it's a first-person shooter where you play a basically a female 007. I mean, it even starts off with her getting some cool gizmos and stuff. It's got an interesting story. Um, it, it, it's a really fun game. I got a little frustrated. I think like two-thirds of the way through, I couldn't find out where to go next. I had to FAQ it, but. Um, outside of that one little thing, I had an absolutely fabulous time. Uh, the second one is is you know is 
it's it's been pretty fun so far. I need to finish it, uh, but my computer crashed before I got through it. I haven't just reinstalled it yet, but uh, yeah, they, it was just a really cute little series, and yeah, it's, it'd be great if GOG could get that. Shoot. But no one knows who owns the rights to that. Oh, pity. Okay, I'm sorry, Mr. Uh, Minky. Well, let's see. Lately, I have been playing Tengai Makio 2 Manjimaru, thanks to its DS port. The original game came out on the PC and CD back in 1992, and unfortunately, I just can't like it as much as the other Tengai Makio games I've played because it really does show its age a lot. You get the fun of grinding a lot, and for some reason, this game's enemies are really, really evasive a lot of the time, so that you get the thrill of attacking them and missing, and then attacking and missing again. And they hit pretty hard, so you need to heal after almost every fight now, and good luck trying to play this without knowing Japanese. I'm glad there's a fact, because otherwise you'd be wandering around with no freaking clue what to do. This does, this is not a friendly import if you know no Japanese. It has elements that I like, and some of the things that you will see in later Tengai Makos, yes, Monto is here, and he's still an idiot. He's attached to some machine, all you have to do is run away from fighting him, and he'll run away from the machine that powers, and then you can beat the crap out of him easily. And some of the enemies are just goofy things. There, There are things that look like reject Muppets, there are things that look like sentient hands with faces in their palms floating in the air, there are... Things that look like radioactive aliens from a 50s sci-fi thing. But it's it's just not that much fun when the encounter rate is frequently so high. The, the random turn order gets really annoying. You, you'll sometimes see people just take an action twice in a row because the turn order screwed up. And when it's a boss, that can really hurt. And it's kind of worn out its welcome, which is not good because there's still some of the game left. I may explore the end of the game using one of the other save files on the cartridge because uh, I got a used cartridge and that's one of the perks of it. And I've been playing some of Lagaya 2 and I honestly don't see the hate for it. Yeah, the story isn't all that great and right now half of the dialogue is useless, but I, I still did, like... did you hug did you hug the sheep thing? I did. Did you get so bursted? soft? Were you were you molested by a giant ape? Yes, I was. Then how can you complain about a game that gives you all those things? I'm not. And yet, I know that a couple of people on our site, one of whom you know very well, apparently just said this is a betrayal of the first game and stopped after about an hour, and I don't know why. I I don't see what's so infuriating about it. Maybe I just have low standards. Gather crabs. (laughs) Exactly. They they gather and barst. I'm sorry, I just have to laugh at the localization. Hmm. Um, and let's see, I, I always talk about a few movies. I saw 1941. Who knows about it? Uh, it was a good year. Uh, I think we had some depression stuff going on back then, but it was otherwise, you know. 1941, for those not in the know, is one of Steven Spielberg's few disappointments. Let's be generous and call it that. What is it? It's about a... An incident in which a Japanese submarine, captained by Toshira Mifune, with Christopher Lee on board as a German observer, decides to just destroy something off the California coast in December of 41, and craziness is happening on shore. John Belushi is a, is a P-40 pilot. Well, that's never good news. Dan Aykroyd and John Candy are on an AA mission. Robert Stack is the commander of the entire defenses for the Southern California region, and... Oh, yes. Uh, Eddie Deason is in it. 
I don't know why. Well, once you've got Tashira Mifune, Christopher Lee, and John Belushi, you may as well. Yeah, because I always wanted to see Eddie Deason pull out a ventriloquist puppet and entertain me while stuck on a Ferris wheel. That That's just golden. So, any movie that has Robert Stack watching Dumbo in a theater is walking a very thin line. Because that might just make me want to say, gosh, Dumbo was fun. Maybe I should watch that instead. And that's kind of the reaction I get because there's so much noise, so much chaos going on out there. Some of it is admittedly funny. When John Belushi is flying his P-40 and he needs to open a bottle, he just says, can't open her, smashes it on the window, and drinks from the shattered bottle. That only works because it's John Belushi, but it is kind of funny. And come on, it's a P-40. Those things are indestructible, right? Right, especially when you've got the canopy open. (laughs) And let's see, you'll never ever see Toshira Mifune shoving Christopher Lee off of the Observer's walk on a submarine in any other movie. That's just not going to happen. It almost happened in Star Wars, but then it didn't. Sadly. And you will also not see Toshira Mifune and his crew interrogating Slim Pickens on their submarine. That didn't happen in Star Wars. (laughs) No, and you will not see him swallow the compass that the inexplicably inept Japanese crew needs to figure out where the hell they are and... The punchline to this is when they break out the prune juice and throw it at him, which is not a great punchline, but it is kind of funny. And Robert Stack does get a good closing line. It's going to be a long war. But I can see why it kind of bond, because it's when everyone is shouting noisily and everyone seems to be trying their best to outact everyone else, it gets kind of wearing. And... yeah, why don't, why don't I mention Capo because it was interesting. It was the first fictional movie about a person in a concentration camp, a Jewish person who pretends to be someone else in order to not be executed as a Jewish person and uh, in order to survive, does whatever is necessary, which comes to make everyone else in the camp despise her because she seems to be falling with the guards. And you know what? That's not something I should really be making fun of, and I'm not going to try. But I will say that when you have Italian movies, you pretty much just get everything re-recorded after the initial shoot and that really shows when their lip flaps don't match what they're saying and i really wonder why these russian prisoners are speaking italian but maybe i shouldn't be asking it's an italian movie everyone speaks italian the prime minister of belgium speaks italian it's true i don't know why i don't know why the russian prisoners should bother me when some of the germans speak italian after they stop speaking german just for the benefit of the audience with obviously adr anyway um, oh, and I'll give a shout out to Johnny Eager because that's actually a pretty fun movie in which Robert Taylor plays. Actually, he does a pretty good acting job, which is rare for Robert, Robert Taylor. Usually he just does his smirk thing. <laughs> and for the for the vintage early 40s, you didn't get a whole lot of guys playing uh, absolute criminals. But I, I suppose I could comment that most parole boards would not be so easily fooled when you are, in fact, in charge of all the criminal rackets in the city, and you're only staying there because it's part of your parole. But it's a it's a fun movie anyway, so I shouldn't get that. And I didn't. Not really. Okay, Phil, I think you have things to talk about now. Hmm. You? Well, I've always got something to talk about. Always some fun stuff to talk about. Oh, boy. Hmm. <laughs> uh, shucks. I <laughs> I won't go into detail here about this about this, but I will tell everybody if you haven't been watching the E3 coverage or anything like that, can't say I don't blame you. Um, 
Well, why would you need to watch E3 coverage if you have a Twitter feed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I will say, RP Gamer, we are doing... Uh, you, you, the guys on the staff, if, I don't know if they ever listen to our podcast or not, but those of you who have been writing up the articles, you're doing a great job. Uh, I mean... Oh, uh, no, we don't actually pay... This is the Derek secret of RP Gamer. We don't pay attention to anything any of us do, except for Trent. <laughs> Oh, good old Trent. I'm seeing, but I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing a lot of good articles at RP Gamer uh, for RPG news uh, about the E3s uh, showings, and I do follow a number of different video game websites. And if you're just a big fan of RPGs, um, definitely RP Gamer. Objectively speaking, or not because I do podcasts for them, um, it is a pretty good site to just. If you just want to see the RPG news of what's going on, it's a it's a good place to go. It's a little disappointing because most of what I'm seeing here as I look through it is mostly handheld stuff, which is kind of what we've discussed here in the past on how that's kind of moving in that direction. You see Class of Heroes, I mean, the first five things, it's mostly uh, – you got Penny Arcade, which is uh, not a handheld game, but it may as well be because it's pretty low well, tech. No, you can play it on your phone. You can play it on your phone. <laughs> Oh great! <laughs> you've got um, uh, you've got uh, Etrian Odyssey, Millennium Girl, uh, which well, looks like it's going to be a remake of the first one. Uh, that makes five out of five Etrian Odysseys we've gotten, which is an improvement over a lot of series. Well, I think yeah, yeah, and uh, it's going to be like a story it, that does look a, a bit interesting. It's going to be uh, they're going to have a story mode in it where you, you play through some of the history uh, dealing with Etrian Odyssey, the first one. It's going to have some cutscenes. That mode will have five set characters in it but it will also have a normal mode where you can make up your own party and and do it that way as well so i can't wait to see some more details on that i i I, when i first saw another and i got the email from atlas before i saw it on our site but uh that they had announced this i'm like really another etrian odyssey uh but the fact that they're taking a different direction with it might make it um worth a look uh, then we have yeah, class- there had been a break of what three and a half years between Etrian three and four something like that. I don't know, but uh, I just got it. It feels like I just got Etrian Odyssey four. Um, we have Class of Heroes two on the PSP, another dungeon crawler. Uh, PS- yeah, that's not E three news though. And no, oh, that's not. Oh, that's just a review. Yes, a review of Class of Heroes. So I'm sorry, it's just near the top. Class of Heroes 2 review. You'll want to go read that by Glenn Wilson. Very interesting. Uh, then we have Shimigami Tensei 4 trailers at E3. Um, Deus Ex, which I believe is going to hand... Isn't that going to handheld? Well, this, this is for the director's cut, uh, which... Ah, uh, for the Wii U. For the, for the Wii U, but will be making its way to other consoles eventually. Ah. So, uh, if... Final Fantasy 15 going basically uh, that's the the verses Final Fantasy 13 versus we never got so now Final Fantasy 15 you want to check that all out Pokemon gets a new Pokemon type woohoo fairy type is coming yeah is coming towards you Mario Luigi G team so all of this and now much I have to much rewrite that now I have to rewrite that editorial <laughs> yeah all no, Pokemon's not cool Pokemon's cool because that that's fairy this is the extent of Nintendo's innovation <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's just when I'm looking over. I mean, I guess my impression looking over all this news is, I mean, if if you're looking for 
your more you know traditional JRPG turn-based and or dungeon crawler stuff, handhelds you know certainly the way to go. Well, um, Japan just doesn't have the population to support a console release anymore. Yeah, and it's because the and we talked about how before how the console releases have just the way the markets work. It's very much like the the market for movies is it's it's now diversified in such a way you either have AAA titles being made or you have these small indie titles being made with the indie marketplaces and stuff that well, we have. That's not totally true because I think the the advantage the movies have is it is impossible for a movie to not make money just the way they have all these distribution deals and tax dodges set up yeah after earth probably made money somehow <laughs> well, here's the thing eventually they'll end up on a dvd box set yeah for, with the other three terrible m night Shyamalan movies and for there are only three terrible ones uh, the three most recent let's say I, I don't even think The Sixth Sense holds up. No, The Sixth... Uh, that relies on the twist. Unbreakable is still awesome. I liked Science. I liked Science too, but I saw it almost 11 years ago now, and half of it was re- me remembering, okay, this is the first thing... I, this is the last thing I'm going to see before leaving for a while, so I get my stepmom to go, and I had no idea that my stepmom was really, really easy to freak out, so she oh, was very dear. vocal during that movie. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. So so I don't know if it would hold up if I saw it again now. Well, there's the good story about... There's the good story in Signs, and then there's the actual alien stuff, and there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the alien stuff doesn't But you work. know what? Can, can everybody out there just agree that Signs is better than The Village? I hope so. Oh, yeah. Well, come on. The Happening, Lady <laughs> in the Water. The Happening spawned a riff tracks, which everybody should go listen to because it's hilarious. So did well, The Last Airbender. <laughs> Well, the last Airbender riff tracks is like you know the movie is bad, but it's bad in the same way can throughout the whole thing. So eventually they just run out of show don't tell jokes, and you're just like, oh, I feel bad for these comedians. I do remember one joke in that being, you know, if everybody else was standing and looking at that great awe-inspiring thing in the distance, I would take advantage and go stab all the people who were standing and looking. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So the best part of E3 I've gotten so far, oh, there was an announcement for New Kingdom Hearts uh, 3, so a lot of people are excited about that. I look forward to that in, yeah. in, a, in about four years. Yeah, in about four years. Yeah, good. There you go. Um, so <laughs> no, what no, I... It's, it, that's being developed by the Birth by Sleep team, which actually seemed to release their game in a timely manner, so that may actually come out pretty soon. Well, okay, Mr. Yeah, but Rapp. see, now they've been handed a budget and responsibility, and that means... Yeah, and it's on a console. That's so if you just google i think the best part of the conference so far can be actually wrapped up into a 22 second uh commercial type of experience uh, developed by sony all you need to do <laughs> is go to youtube.com and search for official playstation 4 used games and it gives you it gives you step by step instructions how to share your games with your PlayStation 4 system. It's very deep stuff. Takes the full 22 seconds to explain that you have to go check. It was hilarious. Oh my god, it just cracks me up. I played that. I was watched that video. I was cracking up laughing. Okay, for those of you, you can pause the pause the podcast now and go check this out for yourself. But okay, so for... here, here is a slight tangent off of that, Phil. Uh huh. 
Is there anyone out there who thinks that Microsoft has done a good job at Ethan? Oh, you know, that's the scary part. People do. People do, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're saying that. So they're saying that they they got a lot. They 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 have more exclusive wrapped up, bigger exclusives. Um, well, their exclusives are only going to be for a month. Oh well, that's not much of an exclusive. But but they have Killer Instinct with one free character, <laughs> and the rest you have. Hey, so. Well, I well, there, there are a lot of people. A lot of people. There are a lot of people who cannot wait a month. Yeah. You know this. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is absolutely true because we talk about how the game goes on Steam and sale in a month, but obviously a lot of people pay full price for these things. So, so yeah, there's 22. So, I mean, most everyone's pretty familiar with uh, the announcement Xbox did at their big reveal a few weeks ago, saying that. Uh, that used games uh, were going to be a, a different thing nowadays. Uh, when you buy a game for your Xbox One, uh, you install it onto your hard drive and it registers to your account, very similar to Steam. Uh, and in just like Steam, it would be very hard, if not impossible, to lend that to other people. Later on, they came out with another press release that explained that you would be able to lend them out to people who've been on your friends list for at least 30 days for a short period of time, and you'd be able to lend it to them once when the moon is full and the stars in alignment and you've touched your toes. Uh, it was this. It was. It was. Uh, people were just blasting it left and right. I forget how many tens of thousands of comments were were on the IG and thread alone. So. When Sony came out, yeah, I'm just sitting here watching on my second monitor while I'm playing World of Warcraft, and 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 they're putting out some, you know, they're showing some gameplay footage from first-person shooters, and it's practically putting me to sleep. And they come out and they say, you know, at PlayStation 4, you're going to be able to play used games, and the crowd goes wild. Now, ten years ago, someone said, hey, we got a new console, and and when you trade your games or whatever, you're going to be able to play used games on it. People would have said, so? What's your point? But with Microsoft's big reveal, uh, this is a now became a, a big point of contention. So the crowd's really super happy. And then they announced it's going to be three ninety nine. Crowd's really happy and everything else. And then I saw the video. 22 seconds. PlayStation game instruction videos on how to how to, uh, how to handle used games. And it's like... Well, honestly, I think they don't really care because they know in about five years, you know, physical media will probably be less of an issue anyhow. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, the thing is, it's not like Sony is taking a stand against DRM. If you think that, you're making a mistake. They're just not taking additional steps that don't already exist in the marketplace. The PlayStation 3, heck, since for years, games have had some form of DRM on them. You, you can't copy the disc in your CD player in your computer, uh, unless you're really good. Um, you, you, you have D, uh, you have downloads, downloadable content that's tied to your account, not tied to the disc. When you sell the disc, you know, that downloadable content stays. There's a few games that were uh, online, like the MMOs and stuff that you'd play on your PlayStation 3 uh, that obviously meant nothing if you gave the disc to somebody else. So there's already been some forms of DRM, not to mention the slew of PSN games that I have. I must have like 50 PSN titles. I can never give, you know, trade those out to anybody, maybe if I gave away the system. But um, So yeah, yeah, it is kind of eventually moving in that direction. This is no big deal. I think the big deal is, though, is is that Sony is listening to their customers and, you know, got their ear to the ground and is actually responding to that, whereas Microsoft obviously has their ear to the publishers or somebody. You know, they're trying to make them happy and dealing with the used game issue. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just fine. Go watch the video. We won't get into a long thing here on this show, but go watch the video. So, um, let's see here. We're going to talk about uh, the next game on my top ten list. And this one is number five. As we're doing the top Phil's favorite top ten RPGs of Wait, all time. Can this be number six? 
I think this is number. Well, we're counting down ten, nine, yeah, eight, seven, do six. One in episode of hundred, and we've got. Well, this is this 90, is ninety six, ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety six. Yeah, there's. This is show. More, this is show ninety six, isn't it? No, it's show ninety five. No, it's ninety six. Let me check my show. Uh, now you're gonna make me look. D Drive RP Gamer. Oh crud! Did I lose track somewhere? I don't know. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! What game did I talk did, about did last not... time? What game did I talk about last time? Do you remember? Yeah, this is ninety-five. Phil. Okay, okay. Which one did I talk about last time? I don't know. Miki was here. Miki was at Dragon Quest Eight. Yes, it was. Okay. Whoosh. All right. I must have just, but it wasn't. The... Oh, okay. I must have highlighted off my list too early. Okay. All right. Ah. So number six. Number six. No, wait, sorry. Do it. Number, number six. Sh- All right. Thank you. All right. Whew. Feel better now. All right. One game from each series. And uh, so I can't list uh, I can't list both of these games. I love them both to death. Ultimately, I have to pick one, and I'm going to pick the one I spent the most time with, Persona 3. Love the Shin Megami Tensei. The, 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 the wiser choice. Yeah. I love the Shin Megami. Oh, here we go. Oh, we've done started the fight now. See what happens when you have to only pick one? I actually contemplated listing them both as my favorite, but really I gotta stick to the rules, and ultimately there has to be just one. Wait, you, wait, you mean the other one is Persona One? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> damn, that was so much fun going through all those corridors and oh, so, Persona One. Oh my gosh, I think the mini map—I couldn't even tell where I was going on the mini map. I was just, yeah, yeah. I really do like the Shin Megami Tensei. There's so many good Shin Megami Tensei games. They they really do appeal to me. The 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 combat system has always been tight. Uh, I always like the fact that you can, and many of them, you can summon your own demons or get demons as partners, and that gives you a lot of flexibility in what kind of teams you develop and put together. Um, fusing the demons comes up with all you know all kinds of different combinations and the such. But when Persona Three came out, it just it took that whole concept. I mean, before they were kind of a niche dungeon crawler with that demon aspect. It was enough to be original, but nothing earth-shattering. But then Persona 3 came along and added this whole other aspect. You still had the dungeon crawling. You still had the ability to capture demons and merge them together uh, in combat. Uh, or, wait, well, you merge them outside combat. Then you take them into combat. Uh, in this case, they're a part of your Persona, and it was kind of cool that you kind of held a gun to your head and shoot them out. That was always fun. But, but, you, but what was really stand out about the series is that you had this daytime aspect where you got to talk to a lot of characters the plots would develop you could build uh, relationships that, that would confer uh, allow you to have higher level demons and the such uh, in the dungeon so it, it conferred bonuses in a manner of speaking to what you were doing in the dungeon diving part of it and 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 how you how you how you handle the dungeon would impact your social life spend too much time in the dungeon wear out yourself too much and you're going to fall asleep in class or something uh it was it was just really really awesome how these two sides fit together and work together uh so well and I don't know if there's has Mike. You're really good with history. Was there any other games that really did that in the past that well? That had that one half. I mean, there's always been the RPGs that were kind of like social sims, or you know, the weird Japanese dating sims and such, where you built up stats and 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 stuff like that. But has there been previous games in the past where you had that social aspect on one half of the game that tied into, and then the second half being the dungeon crawler? Well, I. Sakura Tyson comes to mind, but when Persona 3 came out, none of those had come out in English, and uh, it's well, certainly not to the same degree. And hmm. Sakura Tyson never asked you to met, to balance one side against the other. Hmm. No, if you were really good at your at your responses to the girls, then you could generally respond to all of them without uh, 
pissing anyone off, actually. Yeah, you you know, well, e- no, even the the well, even then, like spending a lot of time in uh, talking to all the girls in Sakura Tyson never made you worse at fighting monsters, fighting the monsters that invaded Tokyo, or the other way around. No, or Paris, or yeah, Paris or New York or wherever. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, Tokyo must suck when it gets hit so hard all the time. You'd think they would have exhausted their city budget with all the rebuilding over the years. No, no, that's that's the entire Japanese economy, is the construction is construction on Tokyo. You know, it's been nine years since the last Godzilla movie. I think the funds have been replenished. It's time to do another one. Uh, I want to really... I want another. Well, isn't that Pacific Rim, though? Really? That's got giant robots, and the giant robots that have appeared in Godzilla just aren't... Hey, Jet Jaguar fights crime because of basic insecurity. Oh, okay, we've gone off on a tangent here. Okay, all right, we were talking about Persona. Oh, my gosh, we've done a full... Hey, Jet Jaguar is always on topic. Uh, Because he's programmed to be on topic. Oh, jeez, I'll beat. Um, yeah, all right. So, um... You know, I'm not going to go into too much uh, detail here, but I can tell you that if you haven't, this is a game that I love, and it's a game that I can wholeheartedly recommend. You can play it on your PlayStation 2. You can play it on your your PSP. I think, isn't it on the store? Can you put it on your Vita? I know we have a Vita expert on here. Who has the Vita? One of you guys have a Vita, don't you? Persona 3. Yeah, you can load oh, yeah, it up can, on the Vita. Yeah, you can yeah. Up so do it on your Vita. Do it on your, you know, your PSP. Uh, they got the PSP deal there, or uh, play it. Uh, it play it on, play it on a backward-compatible PS3. Yeah, if you happen to have a backwards-compatible, which I do. I, you, you guys... Can, you can actually play the entire Persona series on your... Yeah, go Vita. Love my Vita. That really helps with Eternal Punishment, because um, that's fairly expensive to acquire, I think. Yeah. And it's so punishing. <laughs> that's why it's eternally punishing. Eternally so. Shucks. Alrighty. Hmm. Let's see here. You know, so yeah, go check it out. Persona, and that's number six. So next week will be number five. Hey, Mike, do you have some? We're gonna we're coming up to the hundredth episode, which means we have to change. You know, it's just obligatory. Every twenty-five podcasts, I try to do this. I try to change our music and our intro and everything. Do you have an idea, or do we need to solicit the audience for introduction music ideas? Let's oh, I, I just downloaded for- a great album of Deus Ex remixes that I will send to you. <laughs> Send it to Mike because Mike does a pretty good job. You know what? I picked out like our first few tunes, uh, and I still got the Chrono Chrono Robo song stuck in my head from when we used to do that one. But I really liked uh, Mike's last choice, which is the one we've been using for the last twenty episodes. So well, uh, wait, that one I I concurred with, but really Sam just likes Valkyrie Profile and. Uh, what can I say? Toy Sakuraba sometimes manages to turn out some really nifty tunes. Do you want to pick the next one, or do you want to well, throw uh, it up here, in the air? Let, let's solicit suggestions. I have my own ideas, but if someone comes up with an awesome one, I will just go with it. So if you will send your suggestions to albertodyssey at hotmail.com, and uh, you can you – can, a lot of these songs, you can, uh, you can look them up on YouTube, and if you want to send, make it e- – uh, please make it easy for him. Uh, look it up on YouTube first and, and copy him the link there, and, and he can go and check that out. It's usually the easiest way um, rather than trying to email MP3 files, which probably breaks a few international laws. So I'm not, not sure not how that YouTube not links. that the YouTube one links are, are no no <laughs> <laughs> they're perfectly valid 
Um, shucks. It, at least they're they're offering you know an illegitimate place to buy them most of the time. Right, yeah. and if he picks. If he picks your if he picks your uh, your song, uh, we'll even throw in a little gift for you. I've got a whole bunch of I was telling the guys before we recorded. I got a whole bunch of games here on my Steam gift account, which I can give out to people. So I'll probably give you a choice. I got I got a number of RPGs on here, including uh, the original Torch. Like I have four copies of those. Um, Breath of Death Seven with uh, Cthulhu Saves the World combo. I got some. Uh, Freedom Force. Heck, I even got some portals in here. Who doesn't have portal yet? Shoot. So, oh, 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 and if he really likes it, I might throw. I might uh, give you uh, also an option here of trying to. I got one of those. Trying to the complete story edition or whatever. So, um, I promise y'all a contest. I promise you Lego Lord of the Rings. So here's my contest. Try to guess my number five. So next episode, I'm going to be telling you my my fifth favorite uh, RPG. And, and the faster we get this one up, the better for people guessing, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I suppose that's true, huh? Well, the, then the, the answer is totally Tie Fighter. Yeah, it? it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm looking at my personal page, and I've noticed that Persona Three on my personal page that I haven't updated in four years. So obviously, my tastes have changed. Uh, Persona Persona Three was actually in the number four spot, so it's gone down a couple. I've rearranged these, uh, the Gold Box games, D and D's number three. That will not be anywhere on my list. So um, I will tell you for a fact that my number five is not on my personal page. I will give you that hint. So. You can look at that as a list of things to exclude if you would like, but you will not find your answer there. I will tell you that I have spoken about this game on numerous occasions on previous RPG Backtracks. So uh, so give your best guess one guess per person. No, we're going to get two guesses per person. Two guesses per person. And you can email that to jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com. You can also uh, Twitter it. You can Twitter your answers at jcservant. Um, you can do, uh, you can send me a message on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash JC Servant. So give me those answers however you can. Whoever can give me the right answer first, and that may just be whichever one I see first that's correct, uh, will win their choice of one of the, no, they're getting Legos. That's right. They're getting Lego Lord of you're the Rings. Legos. Legos. You're getting a bunch of Legos. <laughs> <laughs> they're so much fun. Hey, hey, man, if I won a box of Legos at a contest, I would legitimately be very pleased. I, I would, man. We used to, you know, Shirley and I, I used to work at, used to work at Disney Resort in Florida, and you go to downtown Disney, and they have the hugest Lego store there, and they have huge, huge creations made out of Legos, including a, a serpentine dragon that's in their lake. It is really cool. So somebody had a lot of time on their hands. <sighs> All righty. Well, uh, anything else, guys? Have I missed anything? Our next show, our next show we could talk is going to be called the Makai Phantom World. We'll be talking about Lapusel, Phantom Brave, Makai Kingdom, Soul Nomad, and the World Eaters. Uh, so a lot of fun games to be talking about there next week. If you have any questions, rounding up all the non-Disgaea NIS tactical stuff. True enough. So if you have questions or anything you want us to talk about specifically about those titles, you can contact me through any of the before mentioned methods, and we'll be happy to to, to bring those up. All right. Anything else, guys? 
Guess not. Time to put this puppy to sleep. RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Unless you talk bad about certain JRPG. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email me, jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com, twitter.com forward slash jcservant or at jcservant. Help shape our future shows. Go to bed. We're going. We're, we're, we're working on it. We're heading there. We're almost there. Don't forget to follow oh, us on Twitter.com. <laughs> it's okay. I'm rolling with the punches here. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter.com slash RPGamer and become our biggest fans at Facebook.com slash RPGamer. As always, you can listen to our vast selection of previous podcasts as we quickly close in on number 100. We've got 94 or so podcasts waiting for you at RPGamer.com. Look for that RPGamer. Backtrack link located on the left hand side. You'll also find RPG Cast there, uh, our awesome sister show. And you will also find an extremely old RPG Sanctum link, which. Uh, don't click on that one. We don't even know why it's. Enjoy still... those while they're still up. While they're still. Is someone gonna... hints. Is somebody actually going to take those down? Sure. You know, I might just delete them now. Yeah. For giggles. Just for giggles. Well, we practically do an RPG Sanctum here. I mean, look at how bitter we got at each other over the Xbox versus PlayStation debate. See? That was messy. Well, it's almost like maybe there's a plan in the works to uh, revive something, do something that was maybe closer to the original mission statement of that show. Maybe. Mm, maybe actually maybe. have it make a decent audio quality, maybe? Oh, maybe have some intelligent discussions? Ooh! You mean discussions guided along the pr- the actual topic instead of meandering without point? In completely different directions with no moderation whatsoever? Or how about just a list of sh- of games we like? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out games and lists we... Oh, boy. Anyways. You know, if he got fired from the other site he worked for, too. <laughs> it doesn't surprise... Anyway, like, yeah. That doesn't surprise me. So listen to all of that at rpgamer.com. On behalf of Mike, Apps, that other guy who was on the show tonight. Oh, Scott. I meant Scott. And myself. (laughs) We thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you're the reason we do this. So please, again, leave us some good comments on iTunes. You shall not pass. (laughs) You shall not pass iTunes. Shoot. Mr. Minky. Well, iTunes just doesn't want to work for anything ever, right? Ay, ay, ay. It's because we're not losing it on Apple hardware, I'm sure. I'm sure it would work like a dream if we were on a Mac. No, I, you know what? I'm sure this never would have happened if Steve Jobs was still around. You're right. It, his ghost is tormenting the internet even now because he can't show off any new gizmos. Oh, ooh, 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 before we leave. Okay, 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 okay. A bonus prize. Another bonus contest. Okay, check it out. You mentioned my change my portrait. Okay, anybody, the first person who can Twitter, email me, whatever, the name of the character and what game he is from. <laughs> Good luck on that one. <laughs> the character you're using as your avatar. That I'm using as my avatar. Gamer. Yes, thank you. Yes. Thank you for the clarification. I'm using as my avatar. I updated my signature, changed my avatar, um, and the such, because I hadn't done that in like five years. So, yes, Green Lantern's awesome. It was time for him to go, though. Okay, Mr. Minky. Well, we're recording this, and it's become night some for quite some time. And normally, after talking about the Nazgul, I would be quite frightened at the idea of Sauron's ring wraiths chasing me down. But you know what? 
as we have discussed, they're actually not that intimidating. I'm sure that I could take this pair of scissors sitting right next to me and poke a Nazgul for about 20 minutes until it finally keeled over and had to go back to Sauron's mountain in order to be revived. So what could have been nightmare fuel really isn't. I'm sorry, everybody. The Nazgul just are overrated. Good night.